Hi there, this is Christina Gomez of Paradigm Shifts and the Debrief Media, and you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. Hey everyone, we're back. Hello everybody. We are not pod faded and happy holidays. Uh, Yes, happy holidays to everyone out there listening to us. The universe has smiled upon us and allowed us to record an episode finally. No power outages, no crazy ice storms ripping things down. Yeah, no attacks from Mother Nature sending, you know, 60 mile per hour winds to uh, take down some trees and wires. I mean, yeah, it's been a little bit crazy and it really seemed like that we were going against the the grain or the the will of the universe trying to get this interview done, but we finally got it done. I know, so. and, and and it's so funny because, you know, the the emails that come in going, Um, are you done doing your podcast? It's like, No, no, just you know, give us a chance to get through the halfway point of the school year and get up to Christmas break and have no weather, you know, take our yeah, that's recording out. That was really the the big thing too is that of course when the weather and everything was starting to happen and tearing down the power lines and toppling trees and all that, it was also the end of the semester um and going into winter break. So, you know, we were also swamped and yeah, no, trying to run and, a generator yeah, and, and not, everything else. And not once, but twice in the same week. Yeah. The same week we lost power twice, which was not very cool at all. We were multi-experiencers of power outages. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, so what do we got here? We got episode 21, and what are we calling this one? We are calling this, These Are Trippy Times with special guest experiencer Josh Casey. Yes, this is going to be so cool. We really got into it. And Josh is a very cool, laid back dude that has experienced some, I don't know how you would put it. It's like there's multiple things. Yeah, I think his MUFON investigator says that he is a multifaceted experiencer. So I kind of met Josh through the community and checking out david scott on spaced out radio and big willie and all those guys doing all of their podcasts ufo garage paranormal chop shop and you know i I would see this guy josh pop in and he would tell about these insane experiences that he was having 
And I was like, dude, you got to come on our show and talk about it and lay out a timeline. Well, we talked for almost about three hours and we just really started to scratch the surface of Josh's experience. And I will just say this as well. He lives very close to the Bledsoe's down in North Carolina. So he's in communication with them about what's going on and what he's experiencing. And when you listen to this interview, keep that in mind. Hopefully you know who the Bledsoe's are. If not, you definitely got to dig into them and research uh, what's happened with Chris Bledsoe Sr. and also Chris Bledsoe Jr. And it's just a crazy ride, but I really felt like we needed to encapsulate his experience, put it in one place, get him on the podcast and uh, introduce him to everybody that listens to our podcast. So this is going to be a killer interview and it goes into the woo for sure, but it's all documented. It's really something that happened and went down. So we really, really want you guys to check him out and his experience and uh, listen to this interview. It, it's it's uh, just when you think intense. your brain is going one way, your brain shifts and goes a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the synchronicities, man. And I've talked with other people on and off this podcast about synchronicities and how things line up and how these paranormal and UFO experiences really change people's lives, including our own, to the point where we're doing a podcast like this. It's really eye-opening, uh, the different, I guess, worldviews and really change people. Well, not just eye-opening, it's humbling. That so too. It's that humbling effect where you know that, one, that you're not alone, in your thoughts, in right, your experiences, right. and there are other people out there that you just need to connect with and talk to. Yeah, and that was one thing. When you listen to the interview, that was one thing he kept on repeating was that he thought he was losing his mind. He thought he was going crazy. Well, if you think you're seeing something and you catch multiple videos of these things that you're seeing and other people are seeing them with you and experience them with you... Um, I don't think we would want to classify that as losing your mind. You're actually seeing something. What that something is, well, that might drive you further, you know, more crazy than thinking that you are crazy because you are seeing something. So trying to come up with some type of a rational explanation. I was going to say when just once you think that you've got got it ironed out that it's these so many different experiences, then here comes something new. Exactly. So, all right, with that being said, let's go ahead and keep moving along here. So just wanted to thank everybody once again, like every episode for liking the podcast, sharing it out to everybody. Um, we're seeing people showing up on YouTube now and subscribing to our YouTube channel. So make sure you are doing that. That helps us out. So again, thanks for sharing us out and finding like-minded people in Michigan and all around. So, you know, we're not limited to Michigan, but, you know, we're very happy to not have limited anybody to the come. mitten, guys. That's right. We'd, we're very happy to have anybody with experiences or who are looking for answers um, coming and listening to us. So thank you very much. 
We also have a small presence over on Instagram, so you can find us over on Instagram. And again, all these links will be provided in the show notes. All you got to do is click on the link in the show notes and it'll take you over to Instagram or YouTube or even our online store. And it is getting to be the Christmas time. And And you know what makes a great holiday (laughs) gift? (laughs) Nothing like a uh, alien on a t-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, and I'm also running a special 10% off your order. So, uh, that goes until I think it's December 23rd. So if you are interested in helping out the podcast financially and you want some swag, jump on over there to our, um, Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal encounters podcast online store link is in the show notes. And go ahead and find something from tank tops to hoodies to zip-up hoodies to coffee mugs and stickers. Any little bit helps us and uh, keeps us going. So thank you very much if you've already done that. And if you're looking into it, please find something that you like and enjoy. Another thing, too, is that we also like having your stories sent to us. So if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. Michelle, I think it's that time. Yes, I think it's time for What's in the News. Yes, what is in the news? Up Ed, okay, it's time to take UFOs seriously. Straight from the LA Times. Recently posted just December 16th of this year. Of all the years political drama, the most surprising may be the U.S. government's actions on unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs, better known as UFOs. The opening act came in June when the Pentagon and the Director of National Intelligence delivered an astonishing report to Congress addressing UAPs. Most of these phenomena turned out to have prosaic explanations such as weather balloons, space debris, and atmospheric effects in the sky with a small percentage exhibiting unusual flight characteristics that suggested advanced technology. The June report, however, found the opposite. It could account for only one of the 144 UAP sightings between 2004 and 2021 that it examined, including 80 observed with multiple sensors such as high-tech military radar and infrared cameras mounted on warplanes. Take one of the most memorable sightings caught on infrared camera in 2004, Navy pilots flying from the USS Nimitz spotted a 40-foot white object resembling a Tic Tac mint levitating erratically above the waters off the California coast. As the pilots approached, the Tic Tac, despite lacking wings or any sign of propulsion, rose to meet them midair before speeding instantly away, vanishing. The report did not conclude what the Tic Tac or any other UAPs are, and it could not attribute them to 
secret technology developed by the U.S. or any other adversaries? Well, we know what it is. It's that TR-3B, right? It's that Black Mamba project, you know, where the patent is up on Google Patents and it's been up there since about 2006. And, you know, it's got all the technology spelled out about anti-gravity and everything. I mean, yeah, it's come like on, here it's, if you would like to make one of these at home. Well, isn't that true? I mean, isn't that like exactly right? If there's a patent up there that makes sense and would actually work since 2006, don't you think people would be re- replicating this thing and we'd have flying triangles and Tic Tacs and whatever all over the place? It's nonsense. Now Congress wants answers. In November, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Democrat of New York, authored legislation creating an office to study UAPs government-wide and report to Congress. Then the Defense Department tried to stake its claim to the issue shortly after announcing the formation of its own UAP unit. Its team would investigate only UAPs spotted in sensitive military airspace, and it would operate without congressional supervision. Some criticized the half measure as a preemptive ploy to avert oversight, though the Pentagon denies those claims. Yeah, this is where that warring situation has happened within the the government now between the Department of Defense and Congress. Because they wanted to do their own thing and not report anything to anybody. But Gillibrand and a bipartisan block of lawmakers, including Senator Marco Rubio, the Republican out of Florida, and Representative Ruben Gallego, Democrat of Arizona, were not deterred. Good for them. Yep. They steered legislation through Congress, attached as an amendment to the annual defense bill sent to President Biden's desk Wednesday to be signed into law. That establishes a new office to study UAPs. The amendment also requires unclassified reports on UAPs delivered to Congress each year, as well as semi-annual classified briefings to legislators. The move represents the most significant public progress yet to understand UAPs. For all its dysfunction, only Congress has the institutional power and legitimacy to lead this conversation. Thank God somebody's taking this seriously. UAPs intersect with topics as wide-ranging as aerospace technology, national security, and potential health effects on individuals exposed to these craft. No single agency has the multidisciplinary know-how or legal authority to tackle all these questions. For example, The Pentagon unit's intended focus on military airspace would ignore the Federal Aviation Administration and civilian flight safety. A comprehensive strategy from Congress is needed. The office created by the Gillibrand Amendment accordingly will take a broad approach by investigating UAPs across jurisdictional lines, prioritizing areas of scientific study and requiring various agencies to collaborate. Not only the Defense Department and the Federal Aviation Administration, but also the Energy Department, which I find very interesting, and I'm going right to that Stranger Things show. It's always the Energy Department. And then, of course, the Intelligence Community, NASA, and others. 
It will develop a science plan to investigate striking physical characteristics of UAPs, like their speed, and potentially replicate any advanced UAP technologies. That's very interesting. And the new office will seek to understand the global nature of these phenomenon, directing outreach to foreign allies. I think we're going to have a whole bunch of people rolling up their sleeves. Yeah. So in particular, the office will analyze whether UAPs represent foreign adversarial technology or otherwise pose a threat. That should be its top priority. The June report stated the UAPs, in addition to representing a flight safety hazard, may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. Given the regular sightings in military airspace and the apparent connection between UAPs and nuclear technology, national security concerns are paramount. In setting up this office, Congress has legitimized the long-ridiculed topic of UAPs, yet its work does not end there. It must ensure that the office receives adequate funding and make clear that the office should be led by a civilian director with the expertise necessary to tackle these issues and cut through the Pentagon's red tape. That's me. (laughs) They need to contact me. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Time to give them some more work. Of course, the perspectives of defense and intelligence officials will be crucial, but the Pentagon has a long history of obfuscating work relating to UAPs, whereas Congress can promote transparency. Once the office has delivered its first unclassified report, Congress should hold public hearings to discuss its findings. Public should be interesting. Now that legislators have marshaled action on UAPs, they need to make sure the new office does not become shrouded in secrecy. That's the that's the big thing. I mean, for years, of decades, course. secrecy. So now that they're saying public, let's see just how public the conversations are. Well, you know, and I've heard other people talk about this. This is a huge, huge thing for people that want disclosure about UFOs. And they're very happy that this is happening. I'm pretty excited about it because of what we saw and what we went through and what we know other people are going through. Um, but I'm going to tell you this also pisses a lot of people off. Why? Because for the last 70 years, they've been telling people, that they're nuts, that they're seeing things, and all of this stuff, X-Files music and the little flying saucers, which, by the way, flying saucers, that term was created by the media back in the 40s and 50s when Kenneth Arnold first talked about seeing these ships that look like flying wings or crescents, and they were, like, skipping along the the sky almost like saucers across the water and that word saucer then kind of took off so i think it's time to jump over and give some of our loyal friends some shout outs so we're going to first give a shout out to christina gomez and the shifting the paradigm podcast this podcast features a weekly interview that focuses on a wide variety of mysterious topics related to UFOs and UAP sightings and the possibility of alien visitation in the present and the past. 
Christina Gomez interviews researchers, witnesses, enthusiasts, and field investigators on their own pursuits of the truth behind the mysteries. Also included is Christina's new show called Mysteries with a History, where Christina will be covering a wide variety of topics from unexplained disappearances to UFO sightings to encounters with bizarre creatures and so much more that can come under the umbrella of the extra extraordinary, the strange, the paranormal, and the supernatural. So make sure you head over to YouTube and check out Christina Gomez. Next, we've got the Lost in the Dark podcast hosted by Burton and Aaron. This is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as we explore all of our passions, but especially music and the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal and the paranormal. What else would you expect? And then we got our friends Joe and Ben over at the UFO Garage. The UFO Garage is a podcast about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. Don't forget the woo. The UFO Garage podcast is a fun, laid-back approach to UFO, UAP, alien phenomenon. We love chatting with interesting people, hearing strange stories, and having a beer or two. Hosted by Joe and Ben. They are dudes. You're a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes. And finally, we go across the pond to the UK and give a shout out to Phenomenon Magazine, the world's most recognized e-zine of its kind. The magazine investigates the whole realm of the strange, profound, unknown, and unexplained, delving into paranormal, UFOs, cryptid, parapsychological, and 14 events. The magazine can be downloaded every month for free in PDF format. Check out the show notes for a link to the magazine. Well, Wayne, I think it's time that we need to head on over to our interview with Josh Casey and listen to all of his experiences. Yes. So Josh doesn't have much of a bio as of yet, but I have a feeling it's going to... It's building. It it is. It's It's building, building, everyone. When you guys hear his experiences in this interview, I think you'll understand why I'm saying that. So... Let's just jump right into this interview. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and welcome Mr. Josh Casey. Josh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Now, we tried many times to get this show going and record it, but (laughs) nature and the universe was fighting us all along the way. And this is about three weeks in the making. So between power outages and dealing with just work issues and everything else and technical issues, we finally got this going. So we're officially on Christmas break now. (laughs) Yes. So hopefully the Christmas spirit will give us some good luck and we'll be able to get this all done and wrapped up here. Notice Josh, he he said spirit. He just jinxed you. (laughs) (laughs) all right so josh why don't you go ahead and fill our audience in a little bit on your background and uh we'll just take it from there and i got some questions for you and uh let's let's just go ahead and open it up to you so go ahead and let us know about you a little bit where you're from what do you do and what's been going on with you okay i'm um i want to say first off i'm a 
former skeptic with all this stuff. It wasn't until pretty recently that I began experiencing strange things. Um, I'm from North Carolina, uh, originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. I grew up about a mile away from the Bledsoe family, which I'm sure some of your fans might at least know them. And that's going to, you know, I'm going to come back to that later. Yeah, I was going to um, say we can we can get back to the the Bledsoe family and and what was going on with them and I do know you have a close connection with them so I feel uh confident in having you come on and tell us a little bit about their history and in our audience, you know, about their history as well. So Yeah, definitely. Um I I, I grew up uh, about a mile away from Bledsoe's and uh uh, good friends with Chris Jr., uh, still friends with him, and I've uh, gotten pretty close to Chris Sr. here lately. Um, so I, I do want to say the main thing I, I want to go ahead and start off with is in 2010, uh, about a month after I graduated high school, I had a near-death experience. I was hit head-on by a drunk driver. I was pinned in the vehicle for about an hour and a half. Um, my my family watched me you know, get cut out the car. Uh, I was literally flown on a helicopter uh, on life support to Chapel Hill. And um, I spent a week in a coma, <clears throat> um, six, a half a year, uh, yeah, six months in a wheelchair. My jaw was wired shut. I broke almost the whole right side of my body. And it was, it was a life-changing experience for me. You know, I'm, I mean, completely just totally intercepted my reality. But um, uh, one thing, I, I'm going to go a little bit back and forth here, but it's all going to come up to the same point. So, um, like I said, I was a little bit of a skeptic for everything, but I've always believed, you know, like a, a afterlife or, you know, some, something, you know, like some kind of higher power. But I've never been like religious, just a little more open minded, you know, spiritual. But um, almost exactly a year before I got hit by this drunk driver, when I had this near death experience, I had this dream. Um, I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it was. I've had somebody here recently tell me that. They feel like it could have been some kind of astral projection or, you know, something. But um, I came home from school one day and coincidentally, I was hanging out with Chris Bledsoe Jr. that same day. And I, I came home and lay down on my couch and I woke up in my living room, got up off my couch just to realize that I was not awake. And um, it, it's so bizarre, really. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but. It's like I woke up in the same spot that I laid down, but as soon as I woke up, I was hit with this intense vertigo. My head started spinning and I fell straight to the floor and I got up and, you know, I didn't realize I was dreaming at the time, but I remember getting up and trying to walk to the, the back of my house to my actual bedroom because I was laying down on the couch in my living room and the whole time my head is spinning and I had to actually use the wall to prop myself up. I get my way back there, and whenever I open up what should have been, you know, the door to my bedroom, I'm immediately like in the middle of this big box room, almost like a garage, and there's a man um, in a, a, a fold-out steel chair with a hat on, with white hair. He's got a shirt tucked in. I, I remember all this perfectly, and I, I mean to tell you, like I, I remember my senses felt like they were just on overdrive. You know, um, yeah, as soon as I got into this big box room, by the way, my vertigo immediately stopped. But um, there was an empty fold-out chair sitting in front of this man. And I go and I sit in front of him. And, you know, this, this dream is pretty quick. So I'm going to try to get through it a little quick. Um, I sit in front of him and he just looks at me. And he tells me, I've heard a lot about you. There's somebody that wants to see you. 
And he nods his head to a door behind him in the back of this room. So I get up and I walk this door in the back of this room. And as soon as I open up this, this last door there, um, uh, okay. So as soon as I open this door to this back room, uh, back of this room, it's um, like immediately I'm in the front of my grandparents yard. And uh, I know it sounds a little strange, but it, everything was super sunny. It was bright. The, the grass was like extremely vibrant green. I remember feeling like I could smell the grass. And I was in front of my grandparents' house. And the house is really important to me. Um, it was painted the same color it was before my grandfather died when I was a child, about like seven or eight years old. And I just, you know, I was confused, but I was walking up to this door, you know, um, and it's, uh, somehow something told me, you know, that I knew my grandfather was going to answer the door and I knock on his door and sure enough, my grandfather opens the door. And I mean, to tell you, I can remember him from this dream that I had. And, um, and by the way, this dream, you know, I was a, I was a senior in high school whenever I had this dream, I can remember him better in this dream than I actually do as a child when he, he was alive, you know, it was like he was standing right there in front of me and I was just in total shock. I tried to say something to him. I choked up and I just, you know, I honestly, I started crying and he just hugged me, told me everything was going to be okay. And I woke up like that. Now, um, uh, I'm like I said, I'm gonna bounce around a little bit, but this is going to make sense here in a minute. So, um, when I woke up from this dream, I was just in shock. I felt like almost like I had a static energy flowing through my body. It just, I mean, I can't, I can't even put in the words really, but I went and told my little sister, you know, immediately she kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And then I go to my mother my mother she's half blackfoot native american actually so um, i'm about a quarter uh, blackfoot um she's always been really big into dreams you know she's always thought you know dreams play a major effect on you know uh, us i guess you know the, the bridge between this reality and another reality when i told her about it it wasn't even the fact that i got to hug my grandfather which that was actually her father it was the man who was sitting in the chair in the middle of this room, the first one, which I did not recognize this guy at all. The way I described this man, she said it sounded identical to my great grandfather, who I've never met. I've never seen a picture of him. Don't know anything about him. He's just, he's a really, you know, closed off kind of person. The crazy thing about this is about a month before I was born, he was killed. Um, some people broke in his house and robbed him. And um, he was, unfortunately, you know, he was killed in the process. And um, that's why I said, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. So about a month later, Dale was born. My mother and my grandfather, I mean, sorry, my mother, and my grandmother, they were in the hospital with me alone. And they have this weird experience with me, you know, as a newborn, not even 24 hours old, where they said they looked down at me and for, you know, like a half a second, just blink of an eye, they said that they both saw my great grandfather, the one who had just recently passed away. The same one that my mother believes she saw, you know, um, Amy, the same one, you know, I, I, I guess I saw in my dream, you know, they said that they saw him in me, you know, as a, a tiny little kid. I, I still don't understand exactly what that means. They can't put it into words, but my mother said it seemed like there was an aura, like an energy around me. And it was so much of a shock factor that it almost, um, they put my mother in tears, to be honest, uh, both my mother and my grandmother their hairs on their arms are standing up and it just, you know, it kind of put them into a state of shock. So um, for my whole life, I thought this was like a nice little, um, 
you know what I mean? It's sad, but at the same time, my mother and my grandmother both told me it was like a, you know, story like pretty much he's my guardian angel is what I'm getting around to. And um, like I said, I, I've been a skeptic on all this, um, you know, kind of, uh, how do I say, like superstitious stuff, you know. The one thing that really struck me, I had this dream, you know, it completely just changed my life. I, I still remember every detail to it. Almost exactly a year after I had this dream, you know, my grandfather had told me, tell me I'm going to be all right. This is why I have this near death experience. I get hit by this drunk driver. And, um, okay. You know, so that, the, let me interrupt you for one second. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but oh, no, you're good. The, yeah. the near death experience was after you had this dream a year yes. to the day, almost exactly two years to wow. the day. And I know okay. that because I wrote, I wrote down the dream. I literally wrote it down the three pages later. I still have the letter to this day in my, in my closet right now. Um, yeah, you know, three years to today, my grandfather, you know, he just, he told me everything was going to be okay. That's the only thing he said to me. And, you know, that just, that shook me. Um, but it was really, you know, it was inspiring. It was, you know, motivating to me in a, a little bit of a way, you know, it shook me. So, um, I, I'll be honest, I went through a little bit of hard times after I had this experience, you know, I was put in a wheelchair. I had actually, um, talked to a military recruiter the same day that I got in this car accident me and my best friend we were supposed to join the military together we were going to do the buddy program we talked to the, the recruiter on the phone um not even an hour later we got hit by a drunk driver and uh, it was me him and his little sister so you know that that put that to rest you know we couldn't join the military anymore um obviously i was in a coma for a week and i, I went through a year of physical therapy after being in a wheelchair for you know half a year um my jaw was wired shut i was I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get too much detail, but I was broke up, you know, pretty much just really yeah. bad. Now you're, you're saying a near death experience. Did you actually die and they revive you? Well, I'm, I was actually, I was just about to mention that. Cause I, I hear a lot of people talk about near death experience and some people say different things. Now um, I, I never died and was revived but i will say they did they flew me on a helicopter on life support but this one thing i I was just about to get is my best friend he was in the seat right next to me and i need to start off by saying it was uh minutes if not seconds before i got hit by this drunk driver that for some reason i put both my feet out the passenger window of this car and i was in the passenger seat you know i just leaned my seat back and i put both my feet out the window you know crossed my legs and put my hands behind my head and just you know lean back and it was like right after that um i don't know am i allowed to cuss on here i don't know <laughs> we we try to keep it clean because we got students and stuff that listen so oh, okay um well, I mean, if you okay wanna... so the, the censored <laughs> version censor. my <laughs> yeah it's a censored version. As soon as I lean my seat back, my friend goes, oh, crap. But he didn't say, oh, crap, you know. And I look at him, and his eyes are big, and he grabs a steering wheel. I look in front of us, and I see a big white pickup truck for, like, a blink of an eye, and everything went black after that. I woke up. The next thing I know, I'm looking at the trees in the woods, and I want to say real quick, we we're 50 yards away from pulling into his driveway. We we're almost home. And um, the first thing I remember was spitting out a couple of my teeth and just i was stuck um his parents were actually my best friend his parents were in the front yard uh grilling out cooking stuff on the grill they heard they saw the truck go by actually they heard it hit the bridge or i'm sorry sorry excuse me they thought it hit the bridge 
ran down to the road and realized that it hit their vehicle with their their son and me in the vehicle and they run down there and the car is crushed like a can and um you know i'm just sitting there you know bleeding out and um my best friend you know i, I remember bits and pieces of this but i want to say one thing uh, really quick that i feel like is I, I don't ever emphasize this as much as i should have you ever seen the movies where everything feels like it goes in slow motion that's exactly how i felt like things were when i was stuck in in that car and i was stuck in the car for an hour and a half I remember these bits and pieces, but things felt like they were in slow motion. I didn't feel any pain at all. And I seriously remember thinking to myself, and this, this blows my mind every time I think about it. I'm getting chills right now. My hair is standing up. <laughs> um, I remember thinking in my head, what's about to happen next? Because I I was accepting the fact that this this is it. You know, like I, I remember thinking like I'm about to leave this this world. And um I, I didn't know, you know what i believed about as far as an afterlife but i just remember thinking like you know it's, it's going to be okay whatever happens and i remember my best friend you know trying to talk to me i remember the firefighter coming there and rushing up to me and tell me he was going to get me out and i just i turned my my head and i looked at my best friend and i said no i said i'm not going to make it i said it's, it's okay though but i was complete i was calm like as calm as i'm talking to you right now and that that shocks me, you know, to this day, I still can't believe that, you know, that's, that's the way that I reacted. But, um, they, you know, they spent an hour and a half cutting me out. They got me out. They flew me on life support on a helicopter, you know, um, the Chapel Hill. And, um, I, I ended up, um, like I said, spending a week in a coma. When I woke up, I just got to say that my, my entire view on reality, everything was just completely shifted from that point. But um, as far as some of the other things I'm getting to later, I still stayed a skeptic for about like 10 years. But I want to say, I, I really want to emphasize this for some reason. And um, well, honestly, I can't say for some reason, it's the pain, the physical pain that I dealt with and um, getting off the pain medication because I spent a couple of years struggling with addiction to pain medication. I'll, I'll be honest about that. And I, I got off of the medication, but I realized, you know, my pain was still there. I got into a uh, quantum physics and, you know, just like consciousness and stuff like that. And for the past 10 years, you know, even way before I believed in some of this more, you know, um, paranormal stuff. The woo I got factor. Really, <laughs> yeah. See, I was just about to say that the woo factor. Yeah. I got really into the quantum physics and, and me, or, to me, it was a way of dealing with my physical pain, you know, just the whole mind or matter thing. And that was, um, I feel like that was a catalyst, you know, just a way for me to today is where I feel that was a way for me to be, uh, I guess, opened up to be able to accept and understand the things I've been experiencing more recently, if that makes any sense. And I'm sorry, I know I bounced around a lot there, but um, that's kind of like the origin of it all, you know? No, that, that all sounds really good and really intense. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Did the, 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 pickup truck hit on your side how was your friend yes. and his sister yes it, it hit on my side my um my, my friend he was driving i was in the passenger seat and his sister we just picked her up from work she was in the back seat we're we're all okay i sustained the worst of the energy the injuries i was um pinned the vehicle for an hour and a half and um i was just about to say this the thing that blows my mind every time to this day that I think about this, like I said earlier, I've never, <clears throat> to my 
through my memories, I've never put my feet out the window of a car, but for some reason I did this day. And like I said, it was right before we got hit the glove compartment to the car that we were in. I actually have pictures from the fire department because I, I joined this fire department a few years later. I served on the fire department for four years. Um, the glove compartment was pushed all the way up against me. And it turned out if my feet would have been inside the vehicle, both my legs would have been crushed and, you know, more than likely I would have died. And, you know, to this day, I, I can't explain, you know, like I call it intuition, you know, whatever you will. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like, you know, maybe a guardian angel or a sixth sense, you know, whatever, like something just told me I need to put my feet out the window. But in that moment, you know, I wasn't expecting any of that, obviously, but it saved my life, you know. Um, uh, real quick, I, I need to say I don't want to put out any names because I'm real bad. I've done it a couple of times accidentally. The same friend that I had this near-death experience with, the one who's driving, he's my best friend to this day. It was about five or six years after this. I was at the, um, the Cape Fear River in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the same spot that um, uh, where Chris Bledsoe, who I know personally, had his experience with. Me and him had a, a sighting at the river, but this was, you know, years before I actually believed in this to be real. And when I saw it, it looked like a bright star up in the sky. My friend pointed out to me, I even joked around and said it, it might be Jupiter or Venus or something. And it was about 30 minutes later, it's staying, you know, just sitting in one spot and we both had me looking at it. And in the middle of a sentence, it does this weird motion where it's, it goes from stationary to curving off like a backward C. And it's just gone, like in the blink of an eye. And I remember immediately, like, stopping what I was saying and trying to rationalize in my head, you know, okay, my eyes are playing tricks on me. And my friend says, you know, dude, did you just F and see that? And as soon as he said it, you know, all my hairs on my arm stood up. I'm like, are you serious? And we, you know, we spoke about it that night. But back then, because this was about, uh, this about four or five years ago from today, you know, UFOs or orbs or any of this paranormal stuff, it was not in my definition of reality. So um, I just kind of put it in the back of my head and it's, I, I still don't understand, you know, why I didn't bring it up to anybody since then, but I, I literally hadn't talked about it to anybody until about the beginning of this year when I started seeing the UAP reports from the Pentagon on the news uh, and something clicked in my head, you know, it's like a switch immediately flipped and I'm like, you know, holy crap, this is actually real. And that's whenever I just started digging into things, I reached back out to Chris Bledsoe because I knew of his experience, um, even though I didn't believe it initially. And when I, I spoke to him, you know, he tells me, you know, Josh, this is real. And he starts sending me videos of orbs that he's seen. And I, I currently live in Wilmington, about an hour and a half away from Chris. Um, a couple months after I start talking to Chris, I started experiencing orbs myself. And, you know, here in Wilmington, an hour and a half away. And, um, and you know, I've, I've got videos of them too. I, I don't know how to explain it. it to me, my personal opinion is something to do with our frequencies, you know, our energy. I, I don't know how to explain it, but that's why I want to say originally I was a nuts and bolts kind of person. But real quick, you know, things got to, you know, to the point where it's got to be something more, you know. So you said this was about five years after this crash, this incident that you saw the first orb with your friend? Yes. yes. Then, and then you waited a whole nother five years before you started digging into that <laughs> yes uh, yep yeah. uh, this year yeah the beginning of this year around february well um, that's okay I, yeah i mean you're in good company because michelle and i saw our 
our well we had our experience our sighting in in 2018 and we didn't start doing this until 2021 the beginning of 2021 so you know it, it takes a little while for things to to kick in and resonate and it sounds like you know your body probably had a lot of healing to do you know and you were dealing with a lot of things there before you know talk about frequency or being able to see things differently after your experience it probably took a little bit of time for that to open up for you but i wanted to jump back real quick about the um when you were being you know in and out of consciousness in that vehicle and you know you heard your friend talking to you and the firefighter you had these flashes and then you were in a coma and things like this did did that dream you had with your great grandfather there ever kind of superimpose itself on your thoughts during that time did any of that ever enter your mind or yes yes actually and you're the first person that's ever brought that up um i remember thinking about my grandfather being in that car when i was bleeding out that that's one of the things that uh, so this is going to sound really strange um like i said i I didn't know exactly what i believed in as far as the afterlife um i, I want to say real quick as a child uh you know i've got family members who are christian i also have a older sister who's half japanese and her family are buddhist i remember being a kid you know like seven or eight years old and always wondering myself why is it i, I have family members who are you know one religion and others are another religion they all seem like you know great people but you know they're divided about what they believe you know and to me you know i, I don't I don't if you're enlightened you know if, if you're a good person you're a good person that's it, you know that's the way i feel like i feel like religion was never supposed to divide people it's just it's supposed to unite and enlighten people that's just my personal belief but i, I really do remember sitting in that car and like it's like um god how do i say this I remember like debating things in my head for a second. Like what's about to go to, I remember thinking I'm about to go to hell. Like have I been a bad person? And then I just felt this overwhelming peace. And I just felt like everything's going to be okay. You know, no matter what happens, that's really the moment that things went in slow motion. And um, when I say that, I cannot even put it into words the way that I, I really wished I could, but it's literally like things went into slow motion. Like to this day, I can picture the every single detail on the, the firefighter, my best friend, like even like the wrinkles on her face. I don't, I don't know. It sounds weird, but I remember just being on the perfect things. I mean, uh, picture things just perfectly, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's almost like I was watching it from an outside point of view, if that makes any sense. But I remember I could see them. It almost felt like I could feel the emotions off of the people more than I could myself. And I felt like my emotions at that point didn't matter. And um, I remember hearing my father, you know, yell, um, you know, yell my name out, you know, Joshua, like that, that guy that gave me chills, you know. Um, uh, I remember, um, yeah, I'm sorry, that, that really gave me chills. I really do remember. I remember the moment that my father told me he ran up on the scene and he yelled my name. I can remember his voice perfectly screaming out my name. But in my, my mind, I was sitting there thinking about the people that was around me. And I just... I don't know how to put it into words, but I just remember thinking, you know, whatever is about to happen after I leave here, it's going to be okay. And I remember looking at my best friend and seeing the shock factor on his face. Like, um, 
I just remember looking at him and I could tell, you know, in his his mind, he was in shock because he really, you know, was thinking, you know, I'm about to die. And his mother actually almost fainted. She was watching us, you know, she was watching us in the car or watching me get cut out the car. And from what he told me afterwards, it was that she literally almost, you know, fainted when she heard me say, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to make it. Apparently her eyes, you know, kind of rolled in the back of her head. And she actually almost fainted. But I remember thinking for a moment, you know, like this is my best friend. I need to try to calm him down. And does, even though, you know, I'm bleeding, every, I'm coughing up blood. I'm, I'm pinned in the car, literally. I mean, I broke my knees, I poured it to my chest. I've got my arm pressed up against my face, you know, up up here at a, a, a you know, at a, a 90 degree angle. And you know, I'm just curled like a pretzel pretty much. But I didn't care about myself in that moment, if that makes any sense. I know it sounds a little out there. But I remember oh, thinking, that, you know, I need, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I just, I remember thinking like, I need to try to help my friend right now. And that's why I just told me, you know, it's going to be okay. And um, another thing I didn't mention earlier, uh, before I actually woke up a week later from my coma, they tried to wake me up one time. And apparently I was in so much pain that, um, or I guess I did wake up, but I was in so much pain that they put me back in, into a medically induced coma. My mother was right there with me. And I don't remember any of this, but the, uh, they couldn't understand what I was saying because of my jaw being wired shut. They brought me a sheet of paper and I, I had to use my left hand because I, my right thumb was almost cut off and I broke my whole right hand. And the same, you know, in this car accident with my left hand, and it looks like a two year old wrote it. I wrote down on this, this piece of paper, um, I love you to my mother. Um, and I, I don't remember any of this, but to me whenever i think about that like you know the fact that i went through that much trauma but i was more worried about the emotional state of the people that i cared about it just it blows my mind you know to this day because i've always you know um got, i'm sorry i don't i don't even know how to explain it you know it's just did, to me it felt like i was accepting it if, you know did it seem like you were when the accident happened and, and you could hear the people's voices and all that did it seem like you were out of your body? Like, like, could you see people outside the car? Were you in that, like, you know, there are stories and, and, and talk of when people are close to death and they're on that, that I guess I would call it like death door that they actually leave their body, but they don't float away. They kind of are aware and they can, when they come back, they tell people like you were wearing this you had this on and they can recall exactly what was going on. And it sounds like, like auditory, you know, the, the, the audio of your dad calling you and hearing the firefighter and your friend, it seems like you had the audio of that. Like you could hear that, but what could you see outside and around as well? That's, that's one thing. Um, I'm still trying to figure out a little bit to this day because just like you said with the audio thing, cause it seems so vivid and um, you know, it was an hour and a half that I was been cut out, but to me, it only feels like maybe about five to 10 minutes, but those five to 10 minutes, I remember perfectly, you know, every little detail. And it's, it's almost like trying to recall a dream, you know, just bits and pieces. Exactly. It's yeah. just those bits and pieces are extremely vivid, but I'm, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't remember like floating outside of my body, but the, the slow motion factor that I mentioned earlier, it was so intense. I, I don't even know how to put it into words. It's, it's like, I'm, I remember, you know, to this day, just looking at the firefighter that was cutting me out, 
um, my best friend, you know, um, just, it's like, I, I remember thinking more about like, oh my God, like they're scared, you know, like I, you know, it, it's like, I, I'm, I'm having trouble putting this in words right now, but it's, um, it's just like everything slowed down really like way. I mean, almost like I was watching a movie, to be honest, that's the best way I can explain it. And, um, I've actually had somebody recommend me do a regression here lately, but I'm not sure. I have mixed feelings about whether I want to do a regression on such a traumatic experience like that. But sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe I should. But um, I'm not sure if I actually left my body to the point where I was, you know, above it, um, you know, floating and looking down. But, you know, like I said, I I felt no pain. I was just calm, it, it, almost at peace. It, you know, that, I know that sounds crazy, but it's really like I was almost at peace because I'm, I remember the very first moments of me um, remembering being stuck in this vehicle. I was, you know, I was freaking out a little bit. I, was, I didn't feel any pain, but I was like, Oh my God, this is bad. Like I'm stuck. I'm bleeding. At first I thought I was dreaming to be honest. And then when I realized it was real, I'm like, you know, Holy crap. Like I'm, I'm I just spit out my teeth. I'm coughing up blood. You know, I'm, I'm pinned. I can't move. And th- it was right whenever I was thinking what's about to happen next. That's whenever I just felt this peace come over me. I, my whole body felt warm. I remember that, like just feeling like this warmness, you know, come over my body. And then I just, I felt calm and like, okay, like just at peace, you know, like whatever is about to happen after I leave here, you know, it's going to be okay. That's, that's the best way I can put it into words. You know, I wish I had more, you know, more of an explanation of the way I felt, but like I said, it's a little jumbled in bits and pieces that I remembered, but, um, you know, they they definitely they had me on life support and they flew me on a helicopter to Chapel Hill. They even had my family come out and see me right before they put me on a helicopter. And I found out later that they didn't know if my I found out from my actual family that um they didn't know that, you know, if they were gonna see me again after, you know, they put me on a helicopter. That's pretty much the reason that, you know, they brought me or you know, brought my family to see me, you know, before then. And um okay. I really had Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, you talk about the slow motion thing and, you know, you had said something earlier too, about you felt that like your senses were all dialed up, like you, you could hear and, and and you could sense things. And I just wonder if that's like, if, if that was kind of like the catalyst to, to kick in this, See, to me, I would call it like hyper awareness. Yeah, like, I was going to say empathic too, very empathic. Like with the firefighter, my best friend, like I right. feel like I was feeling their emotions. Like yeah. I said earlier with, with my best friend freaking out, I remember thinking that moment I need to calm him down, even though I'm bleeding to death. You know, You're man, right. I was thinking, you know, like my best friend is scared right now. You know, like I need to try to calm him down. That's why I told him, you know, it's going to be okay. I wasn't even thinking about myself, you know, the fact that I'm, you know, bleeding out and mangled up, you know, I mean, um, it, it's more like I was, I don't know how to explain it. It really, it, like you said, it, it felt like a hyper awareness, you know? Yeah. I know. Um, when I used to do competition fighting and things like this, that, uh, or, you know, kind of back in the day when, when I was being young and dumb, you know, about ready to get into a fight or whatever. And the, and a fight actually was to break out. That's, that's kind of how everything kind of goes. Um, definitely. Sorry. I dropped something on the ground. Oh, no um, worries. Right. It's like, 
it's like when you get into a fight or combat, it, it, time stops or goes so slow that it, it's really hard to try to describe what's going on other than saying that it seems like time slows down, but maybe it's like the opposite. Things are speeding up and you're, you're operating on a different frequency, a different level of, of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. How I've been telling people the same thing. I I don't feel like it's so much being smarter than anybody else. It's just like a sense of awareness because I feel like every day that we live in this, you know, some people want to call it a, a, a matrix or, you know, paradigm, whatever. I feel like we're just conditioned this physical reality and we don't think about the fact that, you know, we're not going to be here every day, you know, and, and I mean, I, I know it's, I don't mean to sound grim or anything, but, um, you know, it's, it's a spiritual world to, at least in my, my mind side right now, I feel like we've lost touch with our, our spiritual nature. And I feel like the more that we stay conditioned to this reality, we stay focused on the more material things. And, and like I was saying earlier in that state of mind that I was in, when I was stuck in that car, I just, I felt like, you know, I, I know that this, this life that we live right here, it's not it, you know, it's not everything. And, um, uh, I, I mentioned, I uh, find it, Chad, I find it interesting, you know, and, and yeah. you said that you went ahead and then joined the firefighter, uh, uh, what do they call them squadrons or are they uh, fire yeah, department at, like the houses or what you know whatever the or the station right that you went yeah. later to become a firefighter there for four years and what's interesting is is that here you are in this situation this the you're not feeling any pain but you know things are bad you're hearing people yelling your name and all of this stuff and the main thing that's going through your mind is how is everybody else doing around you? And that's, that seems like a complete interest. It's interesting to me. It's like a a shift of consciousness. It's the same kind of a thing where a firefighter will rush into a burning building to save a complete stranger. But most people won't do that. It's more about self-preservation versus you know, uh, you, but you see this in the battlefield as well with, with soldiers yeah. that will risk their lives to save a fellow soldier. And, um, even, even if they're, they don't think their friend's going to make it, they don't leave anybody behind regardless. Right. That's like the, the motto is, you know, no one gets left behind. Yeah, so man, it, that's, um, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, got- it's really interesting. I got chills. I, I mean, I got super chills when he said that. I've had a few family members ask me why, you know, after getting mangled up personally and almost killed in uh, cars, why would I put myself in a position to be a first responder where I have to, you know, be around stuff like that? And um, and I'm not going to get into detail, you know, but I, I saw some things, you know, while I was on a fire department. To this day, it's really hard for me to deal with. But um, just like you said, in those moments, I was more concerned with, you know, just to help people, you know, trying to do my job, you know, to, to help the people that were struggling. And, um, you know, like you said, a lot of people run, you know, from the bullets or, you know, from the, the danger. And there's the other people that run to it. And I don't want to make myself seem like I'm 
better than anybody else in any means at all because I, I don't believe that at all. But um, I, I just had I, I got such chills when we said it because somebody just asked me yesterday, a close family member, about this, and um, you know, told me that they appreciated this because this person's husband, it's family of mine, just joined the fire department, is dealing with some really you know uh, traumatic things that they just had to see. And I spoke to them for about an hour and a half, you know, and um, and I got really emotional talking to them because what what they dealt with was nothing compared to what I ever had to deal with. You know, it's uh, I guess so much respect to first responders. Um, you know, you 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 deal with things trying to help other people, and those things they they stick with you for the rest of your life. But um, I told you know um this family member I have, not the one who became a first responder, that in 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 my mind I felt like I was trying to give back. You know, those people, they, they saved me, you know, when I was almost killed, you know, and I felt like I just wanted to get back what I could to help. And when I was talking to this person, I had, um, you know, my, my mother was with me at the same time, you know, and um, she, um, you know, she told me that, God, how do I say this? She always felt like there was a reason that I wasn't supposed to join the military. Because, like I mentioned earlier, I talked to a military crew the same day that I right. got hit, hit by this drunk driver. And yep. it's like, even though that happened, I still went out of my way, you know, years later to try to get back in some kind of way. Now, you know, and um, all right, sorry, I go got I, I got to hit you up with this question because it just came to me. By any chance, do you know what profession your great grandfather was? No, I'm not sure. Actually, I I don't know much. I just about I'm just wondering, dude. Honest, I'm getting so. this weird sense. I'm getting this weird sense that he was involved in firefighting or a volunteer firefighter for the area or something. I'm just getting this weird vibe like that. It's no, it just I, it made me want to ask you. I'll be honest. I don't know much about him at all. I, like okay. I said earlier, I don't even know what, what he looks like, but I will say I'm, I'm very new to um, things like reincarnation and, you know, past life regressions, but I just had a past life regression from Barbara Jean Lindsay. I'm not sure if you know who she is. Uh, I've um, heard the name. I'm not familiar with her though, but I have heard that name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She did a, um, a reading for me and, um, I mean, since, you know, we're going to get a little more woo-woo stuff, you know, with UFOs and aliens, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this out there. She did a past life reading for me and started out kind of you know, a little more positive, but then she said that I was um, in some, I, I was, you know, in some kind of a military unit and everybody that was with me got killed. And that sounds really grim. And that I was sole survivor and that the only reason i survived is because i was underneath a pile of dead bodies that were actually people who was in my platoon with me or you know uh, in my unit with me and they um uh, apparently they were not human is what she said i know you know it kind of caught me off guard too but she said that the the world that she said it, it looks you know not like earth this is what she was telling me and oh, she wow. was you know yeah, and she said everything looked a little more red, you know, the dirt, like almost like Mars or something. I have no idea, you know, um, exactly what this was, but she said that the armor that we were wearing, you know, the battle gear or whatever, she said the way that we looked, she said she was getting quick glimpses of it. And um, Barbara Jean Lindsay, she's she's great. She's with um, Cosmic Oracle. You know, she's been on Space Out Radio and interviewed Preston Dennett. You know, um, 
I got to say, she hit a few other more personal things that I don't want to mention right now that really hit me hard. And when I didn't even believe, you know, 100% in like past life regressions at the time. But when she was telling me this, I kind of just was struck. You know, I'm like, how would she know those things, you know, about me? Just like more personal things, you know. Um, I I don't even know how to explain it. But whenever you said that, it just kind of, you know, it just, it rung that bell with me. You know, it made me think well, about that. That's the first I've ever heard of a, a past life regression, but it was not like a human life. It sounds like yeah, it was a, like, <laughs> okay, the woo factor just got <laughs> multiplied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I was a really, really little iffy on even telling you that because I felt the same exact way. But yeah. like I said, at the same time, she was saying certain things about me just personally, like, you know, personality traits that just kind of struck me. I'm like, why, well, how would she know that? You know, but, and it kind of, you know, made me think, you know, she really, you know, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I believe her, you know, just certain things that she said, nobody had any way of knowing things I keep to myself, you know, she was saying about, you know, personality traits and stuff. And, you know, like I'm, I'm new to a lot of this, but I, I yeah, do absolutely. She really convinced me that day. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of that, I just had a personal reading with, uh, one of our mutual people and friends that we know off, uh, you know, spaced out radio and big Willie and that's Gemma Jade. Oh yeah. She's awesome. And that yeah. man, I'll tell you what, that was bizarre. That was, that was interesting. Um, man. And she just, she nailed some things on the head that, you know, I'm not going to talk about, but ladies and gentlemen, she will be joining us here uh, on the show coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. real. Yeah. That's going to be real interesting. So, um, all right. So let's go ahead and let's, let's go from the woo to the UFO. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to fast forward here about five years and you're with your best friend that you had this accident with. And here you yes. are on this river bank. What's going yes. on, man? What, what are you feeling? Um, what are you seeing? What, what's happening here? Um, yeah. So uh, like you said, it's the same friend. I'm friends with him today. He's like a brother to me became, we, you know, we, we became even more close after this near death experience. And, um, also, I need to add into uh, the whole synchronicity thing because even all the time, the 10 years between um, me having my near-death experience, the, the first sighting and my, you know, my epiphany of you know, realizing this stuff is real, I've had constant bizarre little synchronicities that I always just try to put in the back of my head and say there's some kind of explanation for it. So one real bizarre synchronicity was the fact that my family, my, my parents, or actually, sorry, my mother grew up on the same street that my best friend, his parents grew up on. My same one I had a near-death experience with. And I did not know this at the time that we had the near-death experience. And um, it, it's, there's more synchronicities to add on top of that. But yeah, um, Oh, wait, we were, wait, wait, wait. Okay. If you're yeah. talking synchronicities. Oh, I, I got to throw it with you. <laughs> okay. I, I just, I got to throw this in and, and I don't know if you want to go here or not. And if you don't, that's cool. But at one point I remember you talking on a different podcast and 
the driver of the pickup truck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Today, all right. So before yes. we get to the UFOs, all right, since you brought up synchronicities, let's let's run with this one. Yeah. Tell, tell people what happened with the the because I'm sure everybody's got, you know, oh, my God, a drunk driver. You know, oh, this is horrible. And it is. It's a it's a tragic story. And you survived it. And, you know, things are OK. All right. So. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So we're we're good. But then there's this this story about the person driving the truck. Man, fill yeah. in our audience with this one. This <laughs> yeah, is synchronicity, so, man. Yeah, that, that's another thing where it's like all everything just started falling into place this year after I had my epiphany. It's like I started looking back and like out of nowhere, it's like an avalanche of synchronicities and bizarre events. So um I already knew this a little ahead of time, but it stacked up on top of everything. About um Actually, so this is really, uh, there's a synchronicity on top of a synchronicity. The <laughs> this, this same same year that I had my very first sighting, actually, at the, the river about um, five or six years after, you know, my near-death experience, my mother, she starts dating this guy. She did not know this at the time. Out of all the odds, she ends up dating a guy who lives I mean, I don't mean like kind of across the street. I mean, directly across the street from the man who almost killed me. (laughs) I mean, lives there right now to this day. So if anybody wanted to doubt it, yeah, if anybody wanted to doubt it, I could take him there and prove it him right now. And um, yeah, all the um, people, all the, you know, all the room, all the people around, (laughs) all the houses and everything. Wow. Yeah, and I want to say it's almost like there's there's this divide. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because sometimes I I try to wrap this stuff in my head. I, I was on the Pork and Beans podcast. And I was getting so scatterbrained talking about a lot of this, but um, the it, it's like there was the dark years before my very first sighting, and then after that things started getting better. So the first like uh, half decade, like five years or so. After my car accident, I was going through a lot of dark stuff. You know, I was struggling with depression, you know, um, addiction to pain medication, which, you know, I've beaten. I, I've, I don't take any pain medications now at all. Um, whenever my mother moves across the street from this guy, I remember just going there one day. I was working a night shift job and um, I was struggling with some really internal issues, you know, just um you know, a- anger issues, to be honest, you know, and because my mother had lived here for a couple months. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I got to go to my mother's house every day, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and know that this guy lives across the street from her that almost took my life. And by the way, this guy, he fled the scene of the car accident. He um he was actually running for senator of Robinson County in North Carolina. Now his career got ruined, but he, he managed to flee the scene, get his lawyer to move all his assets. So we pretty much got the small settlement we could possibly get. So, you know, I was dealing with a lot of, you know, little kind of anger issues. Well, I'm driving to my mother's house one day. Did he and, serve um, any jail time for this drunk no, driving? No, nope, oh not at all. Yeah, he, I, would, had money, money talks. I would be in some yeah. dark times too, honestly. Yeah. yeah, money talks. Yeah, and he's got a nice house. To this day, he has a very nice house across the street from my mother. And yeah, so that's another thing that's just eating me up a little bit. But um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to my mother's house one day, getting off work from this night shift job, and um, I'm going there, and I know this is going to sound a little woo, like you said earlier, but um, 
it literally looked like there was a lot of gray clouds up in the sky and it almost seemed like a um like a part in the clouds opened up i know it's going to sound really crazy but the way it looked it was like a beam of sunlight came straight down to my car as i was driving right before i pulled into my mom's on my mom's drop my mom's street sorry and um something just hit me i don't know how to explain it but i pulled my car over to the side of the road i pulled a scrap piece of paper out of my glove compartment and um, this, this is like a really moment change of life for me that's why i really need to just emphasize this i wrote down on this paper that i forgive this man i'm not going to let this you know these negative emotions control my life you know pretty something along the lines of that and um originally i was just you know i was thinking in the moment i was going to write this for myself you know just something to try to help myself get over this as i'm about to pull into my mother's yard i remember thinking to myself on the right side of the road i have the person who gave me life and on the left side i have the person who almost took away my life and i look over there and he's in his backyard feeding his chickens and it almost I mean, I can't even explain this, but it almost felt like something took over my body and I turned my steering wheel to the left and I pulled in his driveway, like without even thinking about it. I got out of my car and I walked straight up to this man. I handed him this letter that I wrote and I swear to God on everything I love, I'd, I'd handed the, the man who almost killed me. I handed him this letter, you know, and I, I shook his hand and everything. And I can't even remember to this day, like exactly what I said to him because my emotions were just on overdrive. But I just, I gave him the letter, you know, I shook his hand. He was really confused and I walked away. And as I was walking to, down the driveway back to my car, I just remember tears like just flowing down my eyes. And I, I don't mean to sound like, you know, really emotional or anything, but it was more a feeling of, of, of relief. You know, I felt like I just like took like a thousand demons off me at the same time, you know, if, if that makes sense, you know. And um, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I got I got major chills just saying that. Yeah, well, dude, and, um, you were dealing you were dealing with a lot of trauma and anger, and and, yeah. and something had to get that off of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you couldn't say any better. And um, I, I remember even telling my mother that like right at the word, and she was really confused. She was kind of shocked that I even did that. She told me herself she doesn't even know if she could do that because she watched me get cut out this car for over an hour, you know? And, um, but you know, to me, it was just real, something really personal. It's something that I felt like I needed to do, even though at that moment I didn't know that I needed to do it. After that, I, I let go of so many negative emotions, you know, like my life, um, now I'm not perfect. You know, I still struggle every day, you know, um, everybody has their struggles, but things started going, you know, a lot better after that. And I mentioned this earlier, I didn't even realize this until this year. It was the same summer that this happened that I handed this guy this letter that I saw the first orb sighting or, you know, UFO orb, whatever, at the Cape Fear River with my best friend. And, um, you know, that that's just another one of synchronicities, you know, and they stack on top of each other sometimes. It, I can't even wrap my head around it. But um, Yeah, okay, so yeah, why don't we do... No, no, this is this is great. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a few minutes and we'll hear a word from our sponsors and let everybody take a little break and a breather and stretch their legs. And we're going to come back and then we're going to get into some of these UFO things. So, all right, everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? This is Big Willie with the UFO Garage Podcast, where we're all about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. I also run a podcast, Band of Bearded Brothers, with my brother Micah, B-O-B-B for short, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. So take a seat and buckle up as they educate us on all things woo. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Josh Casey, multifaceted experiencer. We now have been through the near-death experience. We've talked about some synchronicities that have happened. We've got more synchronicities that we can get into, but we want to get back to this river experience in five years later. And Josh, tell us about what was going on with you and your friend at the edge of this river. Why is this part of the river important with somebody else that you know? And what was going on? Okay, yeah. So um uh growing up, I mentioned this earlier, I was real good friends with um or I'm still to this day good friends with Chris Bledsoe Jr. and have become even um I've become pretty close to Chris Bledsoe Sr. Actually, I message him really frequently to be honest so this day me and my best friend that um has become more like a brother we're at the river not the same exact spot but not even you know a mile or two away from where chris had his first experience um i've you know i've never judged chris for this or i didn't judge him but at the time you know i didn't believe in any of this so we go out there we're catfishing one day and my friend he mentions you know, something about the star. It looks like a bright, really bright star up in the sky. And, he, he, you know, he says something, you know, he's like, you know, what's going on? What's up with that star up there? And I look at it and I make a joke. You know, I'm like, you know, it's probably Jupiter or Venus or something. And I pay no mind to it. So we keep talking. And about 30 minutes later, in the middle of a sentence, you know, I, for some reason, and I didn't know that he was looking at it at the same exact time. I'm talking to him still. And I happen to look directly up at it. And it does this motion where it curves off in the shape of a backwards letter C. And I mean, so fast as like a blink of an eye and it's gone. And I remember like stuttering, you know, just like just losing track of what I was saying and immediately trying to rationalize, you know, okay, my eyes are playing tricks on me. And um, like we mentioned on the break, I would have never told anybody about this, but my best friend, not even half a second later goes like, dude, did you F and see that? And as soon as he says this, you know, my hair is on my arms, just completely stand up. And we, you know, I, I was shocked. But at this time, paranormal, UFO, none of this stuff was not in my definition of reality. We talked about it. We, you know, theorized about it a little bit. But after that night, not even between me and him, I never brought this experience up to anybody until this year, whenever I happened to stumble across the, um, the Pentagon UAP reports. And that's whenever, you know, something just clicked in my head. That's whenever I reached back out to Chris Bledsoe and his family because I knew of his prior experience and things started escalating for me. So, so you yeah, guys had that you guys had that experience on the on the river there 
where in very close to where Chris Bledsoe had his experience and, you know, everybody, uh, if you're not familiar with Chris Bledsoe and his experience, you got to check out, there's some interviews out there that Richard Dolan did. There's a four part uh, interview series that if you want to get some background on Chris Bledsoe, definitely check those out. But now you're saying that five years, you let five years then go by and you have no other orb sightings or anything else. You just kind of rationalize it out of your mind. And, and now the UFO report comes out from the Pentagon and something, something happened to, to trigger, get your attention to that. Can you dig into that a little bit? Yes. I I do want to say in between the five years from my first sighting and this year, I, I've been having like a lot of weird, the minor synchronicities, you know, random things. Like for example, about a, a couple of years or about a year ago now, I remember one thing that was kind of significant to me. I had a dream about a yellow punch buggy. It's really simple, but it was like a old school looking, you know, uh, yellow punch buggy. And I'm going to work and I remember thinking about it at the exact moment and I pull up in the driveway and there's a yellow punch buggy just like I'm, you know, I, I drink it out in the driveway and, um, you know, just weird little things about that, like that. But um, a couple of them, and I know it's really, you know, woo woo. And you know, even like in my head, you know, I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking I was going crazy at the time. But there's a couple of experiences like that that actually were so bizarre to me that I had my fingers trembling a little bit. Um, I, I want to say that this year, whenever I saw the Pentagon UAP reports, I I was doubting myself so bad that I actually reached back out to my friend who I had this first experience with, the same one I had a near-death experience with. I had to kind of confirm with myself that, you know, we actually saw that that night because, like I mentioned earlier, I hadn't even spoken with him about it since it first happened about five or six years ago. I didn't mention, the, to, um, I didn't mention this to you earlier on the break, but he told me not only does he think about that night almost every day, but he's had a couple of other strange experiences since then in between those, you know, those five years. One was right by Fort Bragg where he said it looked like two orbs separate came down really slow and merged together into one orb and it sped off in the blink of an eye. And I, I mean, I know it sounds bizarre, but you know, a year ago, I would have never believed this, but you know, this year, everything changed for me. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I gotta say, just like this year, just my entire reality just flipped upside down. And like I said, I was doubting myself and I, I really do owe Chris Bledsoe a lot of credit because he's helped me wrap my head around a lot of things. And um, just the fact that I was, be able to, I was able to go there and share an experience with Chris and another person who I can't name because they asked me not to, it just, it, um, it, it brought a lot of peace in my mind, you know, if that, that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, I, it does. I was struggling with it, to be honest. I, I went to a, bit, a little bit of a freakout phase at the beginning of this year, to be honest. First, I'm like, okay, it's cool. You know, like, it's kind of like we're living in a sci-fi movie. And then I started kind of panicking a little bit, to be honest. I remember thinking at one point, like, if this is all real, you know, what are they doing? Are they doing experiments on us? You know, what is this? I just, I, I didn't know what to think. And I still, you know, think there could be good ones and bad ones. I don't know all the answers, but if you know uh, about Chris Bledsoe's experiences, his are more positive. And um, so far, and hopefully they continue um, to be positive for me. You know, um, uh, some of the things I spoke to you about earlier freaked me out a little bit. Um, we'll yeah. do that a little bit later. But yeah, it's um, it's it's been a roller coaster. I'll say that. 
Yeah. And we were, we were kind of theorizing and throwing some things out during the break that we were talking about. And one of the things that we had brought up was, you know, are these things, you know, allowing us to see them? Are they tapping into our visual frequency you know, of, of visible light and, and, and showing themselves to us? Or are we being able to, whether it's trauma-based, whether it's, it's whatever it is, are we able to tap into their frequencies and see them or whatever these things are? Um, and, and it was very interesting because you talked about having that experience where you had the light on the car and, and you went and confronted the guy that ran into your car, you know, drunk driving and gave him the letter and you had all of this stuff released off of you, almost like, you know, uh, just, just letting things go. And, and, and you felt like a thousand pounds was lifted off of you. And I just want, yeah. And I just wonder if, you know, when things happen with people that can see things and what's interesting is, you know, and people are getting them on video too. You've gotten these things on video. I've seen them on your Facebook page and, and um, YouTube. And I'm just wondering if there, if it's us, you know, that, that we unclog our brain, I guess is the best way you could say it. We uncage our brain from the trauma that might've happened and, and we're allowed now to, to explore these other frequencies. Our minds are open. They're not being held back. And now we can see, and I'm, I'm talking really woo here now, but I mm-hmm. honestly, you know, I'm serious. I've heard so many things now that I don't know how to explain it, but I, I take a, a scientific try to take a rational approach. I think about the psychology of things. And I think about that one experiment. I can never remember the name of it, but it's where the people are passing the basketball back and forth. And the commentator tells you, okay, count how many times that basketball is being passed. And then you go 12, 15, whatever. And then they go, yeah, the, well, you're kind of close. There, it was actually passed around 17 times. But did you see the guy in the gorilla clown. suit walk oh. through or the clown? Right. The clown There's many different it. ones, right? <laughs> but the one I always play for my students is the guy dancing through the crowd in a gorilla suit. And they're like, what are they talking about? And I show them. I take that same video and I back it right up. They see it and I play it. And now that they're looking for it they see it and they can never unsee it. Is that what's going on with people that are seeing these orbs? Because Michelle and I are seeing these orbs. People around here are seeing orbs, you know, 20 miles away. We're seeing them from our front yard and she's calling me out and we're both seeing them. We're getting pictures. She's taking pictures. And then I see on Facebook, things in our group start popping up. Are you guys seeing this in, in a town by us called Ypsilanti? You know, are you guys seeing this? Are you, you guys in, in the pictures and videos? So multiple people are, are, we're, we're being able to collab, collaborate and, and show the evidence of what we're seeing and nobody can make out what they are other than their orbs zipping around. 
And, you know, they're not Chinese lanterns. And I'm sorry for some of you out there. It's not the TR3B, you know, thing. This, no, no. These things are going against the wind. They're zipping up and down and moving around. They're hovering. They're doing all kinds of things. And then they're gone. Materializing and dematerializing. Yeah. That's the one thing that hit me. Um, Like you said, at first, it, it was always like, it was in the corner of my eye or something. And I was always doubting myself, you know, like maybe I saw that maybe I didn't. Then I'd seen a couple of them, you know, literally like they pop out of thin air, you know, right in front of me. And one of them, you know, just materialized and dematerialized. And I even had a witness see one with me, you know, and, um, you know, like, just like what you were saying, though, it made me think about the fact that um, I, I don't know what they call it, but like what you're saying, whenever, say, for example, whenever you start driving a certain model of vehicle, and then it's like you start to see that vehicle everywhere. You yes. Know? Yep. It, that's exactly what comes to my mind there. You know, it's almost, it, it's like a radio dial to me is what it, it feels like. Um, just a personal opinion, you know, kind of like if you're off, you know, tune, or, you know, if you're not quite on that station, it's like it's staticky. But whenever you're more on that station, it comes in more clear. That's just at least the way it feels to me. And um, I told you this earlier on the break, like I was, when I first had my epiphany this year that it was real and I still didn't know if it was all just military I thought if it is, you know, non-human, it has to be a nuts and bolts perspective, you know, it has to just be people from another planet. But then I got more into it and I started thinking about, you know, quantum physics and like, you know, just certain weird things like the double slit experiment and the fact that it seems like the more we learn about quantum physics, the more bizarre and out there it seems. And it seems like things that should be impossible or, you know, suddenly impossible or suddenly possible, you know, and um, that. I mean, what you said earlier, you put that in better words than I could have. But um, I, I want to say something real quick. Um, the first sighting I had this year that really just solidified that what I was seeing was a reality. I was on my back balcony here in Wilmington, and I'd already seen about three or four ones that were in the corner of my eye, which, you know, today I, I'm not 100% if they were actually orbs, but I feel like there's a strong chance they could have been. This day I was on my back balcony and I was really struggling in my head because I've been spending hours and hours, almost my entire free time researching this stuff. And I really remember thinking in my head, you know, can I have some kind of sign? You know, like it, I, you know, like I said, I'm not religious, but I'm, I'm a little more open-minded, spiritual. I believe there's truth in religion, you know, but I don't want to get in detail about that. But, um, so there's, um, there's, there's a little bit more to this story. Um, if we have time, I can get into it later. But over the left of my balcony, right on my left shoulder, uh, the brightest ball of light, like goldish amber color, shot out in front of me and came to an immediate stop. And whenever it did, it, I mean, immediate stop, and it was going fast. It almost sent out a, no, not almost, it sent out a flash. Like it stopped and flashed. And I mean to tell you, the flash it illuminated my balcony. I'm, I'm on a third floor apartment here. And what really just shocked me was the fact that I could see uh, like the, um, a circular uh, light hit the bottom of the clouds because it was a cloudy day. And this light in this ball of light shot out and came to an immediate stop and it flashed, you know, and it lit up my balcony and, you know, I knew it wasn't a shooting star at that moment. You know, that's whenever I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is not, you know, something, you know, natural, like what I'm thinking. And it hit me so hard that, um, God, I don't mean to sound, you know, like emotion. It, it 
it made my eyes water up. I'm not going to lie. It, it just, it felt like I, I've talked to other people about this, you know, it felt like it wanted me to see it. I don't know how else to say it, but it was in that moment. I was thinking to myself, you know, can I have some kind of sign? And that happened, you know, and like you were saying, um, you know, is it, you know, sensing me or am I sensing it? It was like, as soon as I looked up in the sky and I don't mean like, you know, a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, like the exact spot that I'd positioned my eyes within, you know, a second or two of me looking up at the clouds. That's where this happened. You know, it, it, it blows my mind. I don't even know how to put it into words. And at that moment, you know, it just, it shattered all my beliefs about, you know, everything being, you know, nuts and bolts and having a, you know, explanation that I can, you know, wrap my head around. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you mentioned, and I have been thinking this as well, is that things are somehow this stuff is all related. It it just big foot, all, all of it, you know, and I think that that common thread, I'm just wondering if that common thread is us. And if, if anything, that those psychology experiments and stuff have kind of shown me anyways, is that if we're directing our attention towards something, you know, and and it goes back into thinking about the, uh, you know, when you observe something, it changes versus not being observed kind of a thing. And I just, yeah, I just wonder if, I, you know, and I'm at a loss for words when, you know, coming to talk about this, but when, when you're looking for the guy in the gorilla suit, walking through the crowd, you will see it, but only when your attention's been told to go to it, you are having, you know, the time slowed down while you were in that wreck, your attention is dialed up. Now your attention is dialed up toward orbs or, or something else. And maybe now you're just naturally more open to it. And now that's kind of what I was saying with that whole epiphany of light. Take that man, hit that note, shake his hand. And now you are aware because your brain's not clouded with that anger and that hatred and dealing with that now your brain is open and aware your senses are dialed up even more and i'm wondering if we're able to dial into these whatever these things are their frequency and maybe we're freaking them out and they're reacting to us being able to see them whatever they are you know so are they choosing us or are we finding them because our attentions are turned, you know, dialed up for whatever reason? So I don't know. I, it's it's been things, you know. That's how my brain works. I, I no, I'm, things I've never there. um I've never thought about it like that. That's that's really interesting. Um, I've been having this thought for like the past uh, week or two that um maybe we, you know, I'm just theorizing here. We've been conditioned to believe that we're just living in this materialistic, you know, reality. And, you know, since we're raised to believe that for, you know, our, our whole life, that's what we focus on, you know, is the material world. And now I think certain things are starting to get out there. And, um, you know, 
I'm on the fence about this, but sometimes I think about the fact that it it wasn't long after the first Roswell crash, right? That we got the internet and stuff like that. I've had a couple of people come up to me and tell me lately that maybe, you know, I'm just theorizing here again. Maybe we got the internet from reverse engineered technology. Maybe, you know, um, people who I'm not going to, you know, put names or say, you know, specifically anybody, but maybe people might have wanted us to stay conditioned to a materialistic reality. And they thought, you know, the internet would be a way to do that, but it kind of backfired on them in a way. And now the fact that we have instant knowledge in our hand, and I say this because I, I told us to Chad Smith and Sony on Paranormal Chop Shop, I noticed my nephew about a month ago on his phone and he's got like seven or eight years old and he's got a phone in his hand. He's operating it like, you know, he's a, you know, like he's been doing it his whole life, you know, like he's a grown man and he's a child. And it makes me think, you know, child's brains, their children's brains are like sponges, you know, at that age. Now they've got instant knowledge in their hands. And it almost makes you feel like maybe their their minds are developing at a faster rate. And maybe there's things getting out there. Like I hear people talking a lot more about like awakening and 5D and spiritual, you know, a lot more of this, you know, kind of metaphysical stuff. And like I said, I'm not saying I believe any one particular thing, but I feel like maybe people are um, just becoming a little more aware that what we see here isn't all that there is. And maybe that's kind of, uh, you know, making the, the bill between realities a little bit thinner. If that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, it does. And, and I think I, I agree with you, but I think it can work both ways, especially with, with kids. I think it can open up a world of knowledge and possibility. It depends on how you, it, it's like a gun, you know, a gun is a great tool, but it can also be, you know, a very devastating weapon as well. It can oh, feed definitely. you. Yeah right? It can feed you, it can protect you, but it can also cause much, you know, trauma and damage to people as well. And, you know, I think that the internet and these phones and things like that, I, I honestly think these things are to distract us even more from being able to get to that point of consciousness. Now, some people will, will, you know, open up their consciousness because they'll go down that rabbit hole and it'll something will resonate with them. But for most people, especially kids and especially teenagers, it's just a social nightmare for them. You know, that's all it is. They, you know, they want to look for answers to things that they have to deal with without going through that experience, you know, and yeah, you can be eight, nine years old and have the world at your fingertips and, and learn things. But there's also things that come with a certain level of maturity to know how to tamp things down and then how to apply, you know, life experience to those things. Because I, I don't disagree. I think kids could probably easily soak things up and memorize them, but then there's the life experience. So for me as a scientist and as a science teacher, that life experience happens with my kids when I have them do an experiment and they actually have to come in physical contact with what it is. I can talk theory all day with them and have them memorize vocabulary words and stuff. But now here's a model that you have to work with. Here's chemicals you have to use. So now you have to have that real world experience to back up all of these words that you have to learn so i think it's it's a double-edged sword it's good on one side and you know bad on the other and 
you know, it's, it's a balancing act and we got to be really careful with how we, how we do, you know, we use these things. So, but then it allows like you and I to communicate and Dave Scott to have his, you know, spaced out radio, which is awesome. And, you know, all of our, you know, community out there that seems to be growing and talking about these things and putting a light on a lot of this stuff, which I find amazing. I just, I still haven't found anybody I don't like yet. (laughs) Maybe I'm the person. Wait a minute, Michelle. Michelle, (laughs) Am am I the one that people don't like? If I, if I like everybody, maybe I'm the one. Okay. You know how they say that, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right, Josh. So let's, let's go, let's move on now from this orb sighting. Now it's five years. You've had this orb sighting. You've talked to your friend. He's like, yeah, I've thought about this. He's had some other experiences since then. You hit that UFO report, man. What's going through your mind and what's going on now? Yeah. Um, I gotta say it was to say is a shock to my system is a major understatement. I felt a mix of emotions. Um, I remember even at one point, feeling a little bit uh angry at the you know you know governments you know like i'm like damn what they've been making us think this was you know silly you know for this long and now i'm coming to realize you know this is actually you know there's there's some truth to this you know um even if not all of it's true it's obvious that you know some of it is real you know it's on you know national news and stuff um so i i started digging into it at first i remember thinking it was pretty fascinating thinking you know uh God, it's like a sci-fi, you know, fantasy world, you know, and we didn't even realize it. Then um, I started experiencing a little bit more, a bit of a freak out stage, to be honest. I remember thinking, you know, like, if this is real, what else is real that I don't know about? You know, what is, you know, what kind of negative things might be real? It's like my mind was just going in every direction, pretty much. And um, uh, I hadn't thought about it immediately. But my mind goes back like, holy crap, you know, I had a friend in high school, you know, Chris Bledsoe Jr., his father, actually him and his father, because he was on it as well. They were on a documentary, you know, back when I was in high school about how he had four hours of missing time and, you know, this abduction experience. And it was that, you know, clicked in my head, you know, it's at the same river, not far at all from where I had my first experience. And, you know, like at the time, even though I was friends with him, I never brought it up to him. It it was really clear to me that he didn't like talking about it at the time when it first happened. I really remember being in high school when they had this experience. I can't imagine how Ryan Bledsoe and Chris Bledsoe Jr. and their sister dealt with this. Um, I, I remember like the whole school. There was a small pocket, you know, a small handful that believed it. But most of the school, you know, they were laughing at, you know, making fun of it. I didn't you know, judge him, you know. But I was just very skeptical. You know, I was like, you know, I believe there's life out there on other planets, but I'm not sure if they're here already. So I just never brought it up to him. You know, he's my friend. I didn't want to, you know, um, you know, uh, I didn't want to offend him in any way. Yeah. No, I, I never if, reached back out to him pretty much. Okay. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to interject there. Now, if I remember correctly, they're, they're very religious people, right? So um, I would think that they were probably and if I'm correct in this, probably trying to pull strength from their, the religion doctrine that they follow. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Yes. In a sense, I I will say this. And because I've, I've spoken to to Chris junior about this and Chris senior a bit, 
Chris Singer, for one, he was a deacon at a Pentecost church for uh, about 15 years. Now they they still have you know their their religious beliefs, but kind of like what I said, you know, I'm not going to say the same as me. Their their beliefs have changed. For one, Chris Singer, he was um, ostracized from his church when this first happened. They thought he was messing with the devil, you know, pretty much. Uh, a lot of people here in the Bible Belt where I live, you know, they they think anything outside of religion, you know, is, you know, satanic or something like that. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but no, today, but that's, you know, that's Chris, truth. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's absolute yeah. truth. And I, I don't understand why they have to, there's some people, and apparently there's some people in the government that feel this same way that there's this little tug of war that's going on, you know, that, that Lou Elizondo was even talking about how there are some people that think what, no matter what you say about the UFOs oh, yeah. and what they uncovered is that, you know, that's of the devil. Well, is everything you don't understand of the devil? Is that what you're really trying to tell? I mean, what, okay. Let's say it is of the devil. Oh, yeah. Shouldn't we figure out what this thing is then? I mean, it just, doesn't make much sense to me yeah. to, to go there and want to put your head in the sand because you know what they say when you put your head in the sand your butt's up in the air so <laughs> take yeah. that for what it's worth yeah definitely and um i i hope if anybody listening is knows about the chris Plato's story you know maybe i can bring a little bit of clarity to this you know chris he still has you know faith in a sense but um i mean or no he still has faith but it's it's changed you know he's told me even himself chris jr and chris senior that you know he's still he's he's a christian he believes that you know jesus was real and that you know he you know did those miracles that they talked about but he also told me he doesn't believe the story that we hear today is exactly the truth about what we've been told it was and, you know, I, I think the same way, you know, I've seen orbs materialize out of nothing. So who am I to say that, you know, a man, you know, 2000 years ago didn't, you know, make miracles, you know, but um, Chris agreed with me on this as well. You know, he, I don't believe and Chris Jr. just recently told me the same thing. I don't believe that religion was ever supposed to divide and frighten. I think it was supposed to unite and enlighten. And that's something that I came up with myself. But I feel like, you know, it was more of like, you know, governments that were just trying to, you know, put people in control, you know, have them in their pockets, you know, and that's one thing I said earlier about me having uh, family members who are Buddhist and also ones that are Christian. I never understood that even as a child. And when I, I told this to Chris, you know, he he just shook his head. He said, that's exactly right. Chris Bledsoe Sr. told himself he does not believe that, you know, um, or was, let me rephrase that. He said he believes that there's been many people throughout history that have been enlightened, if that's the right word to use. You know, um, and like I said, I'm sorry if I offend anybody. I'm not trying to say the wrong thing here. I'm trying to be really careful about what I say. But he's just a lot more open minded. And Chris Singer told me that, you know, when this first happened, it conflicted everything about his beliefs. You know, his his church, he caught them, you know, in the middle of the night, sprinkling holy water out on his land, you know, at like four o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night. His, his wife was originally very against it and also thought it was the devil. Now she's come around a lot more to it. But at one time, um, she tried to get Chris exercised, thought, you know, he needed exorcism, really thought he was possessed. And Chris, you know, is thinking, you know, I, I don't know what to believe. You know, these are their light beings is what he, you know, remembers experiencing, you know, through his hypnotic regression, like beings literally 
look like they're made out of pure light. And he had Crohn's disease for 15 years before this, you know, these four hours of missing times. And, um, you know, medical documents, you know, proving that he had Crohn's disease, you know, he's on medication for this. And there's no cure for Crohn's disease. I'm sure you probably know that. After these four hours of missing time, his Crohn's disease is gone, completely healed. You know, and um, he feels, you know, amazing. He completely quits taking all of his medication. So he's sitting there thinking, you know, why would something demonic, you know, heal me? You know, why would I have a positive experience? And, you know, um, you know, my heart goes out to anybody who's had a negative experience. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people, you know, do have negative experiences. And I don't know if that's because there's actually, you know, malevolent entities or if maybe it's just their their perception at the time. Because I, I think about if, say, for example, like what happened with Chris, he was healed. Imagine being healed by something and suddenly you have a memory, you know, um, reoccur and you wake up like in the middle of a surgery is like the way, I'm, you know, metaphorically or, um, you know, I'm sorry, um, you get what I'm saying, right? Like if you were to yep. wake up in a situation you're not aware of and you have some beings that you don't recognize and they're operating on you, you know, it's going to be a shock factor no matter how you look at it. So, um, right. you know, me and Chris got into a deep conversation about that, but um, it, it, it altered his whole perception. So pretty much he still has faith, but he's a lot more open-minded about it. He's not one of those hardcore religious types, obviously. Yep. Yeah, that, man. Yeah, you know, there, I just saw Christina Gomez um, do a episode with, I, I forgot the exact name of it, but she did her episode of mysteries with a or history with a mysteries or I don't know, I'm butchering it, but they were talking about encounters and stuff that were deadly, right? That where people had died either because they, they may have gotten knowledge or came in contact with this stuff. And, you know, um, they were talking about like forestall, you know, supposedly committing suicide you know from a 16th floor of the hospital building and it just so happened he was able to throw himself out or uh, one person shot himself in the head even though his hands had no fingers because of damage that was done you know he there's no way he could use a gun you know things like that because of what he you know and, and they're speculating or, or the accusation is is that because they had this certain knowledge and i know i'm butchering all the names because i'm just getting into this as well so i don't know all of the history of all this stuff but it was jimmy church and and christina gomez and they do their show and, and they were talking about this and i found it fascinating but they're talking about these things and one of the things that came to my mind was the fact that there was the the ufo new office or whatever that the Washington DC was going to set up. And this was before the, the, the agency that was put together by the department of defense. And they started arguing about what was going on with that. And now the, the senators are, you know, saying, no, you can't do that. We want this to happen. So they're setting up their own. It's that important to them now that they're setting up their own separate UFO thing, which is fine. But there was a uh, in the NDAA, one of the things that the, the office was supposed to do was help or look into people that had or pilots and military personnel that had damaging Arthritis. injuries. Yeah. 
was it a joint? I've heard a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the whole, it, it just made me think about, okay, so now we're going to have the government actually taking people's injuries. You know, there have been people that have had their skin radiated and had radiation poisoning from coming in contact with these vehicles and things like that. And they're actually going to listen and test and, and be able to get real data. So it's not just like one of these situations where it's like, Oh, that's a cool story, bro. And they got the burns all over their bodies or implants or, you know, they've been damaged. They've been injured by these things. And yeah. so, you know, when I heard them talking about what happened to people that talk too much, you know, okay. So how is that going to work? You know, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's very, I don't know. It, it's very interesting. And we're seeing a shift in, in, in how things are being thought about, which I think is good. And, and I got to tell you, you know, my wife and I, we started this podcast and everything that we did, you know, was one, like I had told you during the break, one, our group was to you know, get corroborating evidence, right. About, did anybody else see this? And the group just started growing and people sharing their experiences. A couple of years later, we start this podcast. We had no idea there was any kind of report coming out in June. We started our podcast, you know, a few months before that report was coming out, we had no idea what was going to go on. And yeah, even though it was six pages of content and a lot of it was, you know, we're not telling the public a lot. There was enough in there that we were both like, holy crap. You're taking it seriously. Yeah. 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 Right. Like finally, yeah. finally. Okay. Finally. Yeah. And what, what you said made me think of, um, like, well, like Terry Lovelace with his implants, but also, um, uh, can't, can't remember his name right now. Um, Chris Bledsoe actually knows him personally too. Um, I can't think of his name. Fire in the Sky. Who was that movie about? Do you remember? Oh, Travis Walton. Um, yeah, Travis Walton. So yeah. he was uh, um, initially he was traumatized about his experience, right? Yep. And it was like years later, uh, for whatever reason, he came to the conclusion that he feels strongly he may have been too close to the proximity of the craft and it may have damaged his nervous system in a way or something. And that they, you know, he feels they were actually fixing him you know and um because i'm if i'm not mistaken didn't he run up to the crash yes he Uh, did everybody else stayed back yeah yeah he he got a little bit overly confident or something like that he ran up and was whenever it shot up or something like that he feels like maybe the anti-gravity whatever it was you know he might have been in that field of energy and it may have damaged his nervous system um you know that that's what makes me think about the fact that um and like i said you know there may be you know, malevolent ones out there. There's good and bad people. So I'm sure there might be, you know, good or bad, you know, entities or life forms or whatever you want to call it. But um I, I just feel like whatever these things are, whether they're extra dimensional or extraterrestrial or all of the above or time travelers, you know, whatever. I feel like if if they wanted us dead, we would be dead pretty much. You know, um I feel like there there may be some bad ones, but hopefully the majority of them are you know you know more benevolent instead of malevolent. If I'm saying that right, yeah. I must get my my tongue gets tired saying that. But um, sorry. Um, I was also going to say, um, exactly like what you were saying that that report, even though it was so, so short, 
the fact that they're even acknowledging it to me was just like a major, you know, like they're, they're acknowledging, they're taking it seriously. You know, there's, to me, there's, you know, there's no way of getting around the fact that it's real. If you've got them and me that they're spending tax dollars, you know, on studying this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry. My, my head got a little scrambled there. I was about to run through the subject. I read safe till later <laughs> there, but um, yeah, that's cool. Um, but what I was thinking of was uh, Lou Elizondo. He was on Tucker Carlson and this was a, a couple months ago when he did a, a interview on uh, Fox and he was talking about the UF, the UAP task force being given a permanent capability instead of a temporary one. And it forces the secretary of defense to annually report to Congress what they've learned about UAPs work with our international allies on this matter. And I underlined and bolded this in my notes. It said requires any recovered UAP material to be reported to Congress. So if there's anything at Wright Patterson area 51 S four, whatever, they got to report that. And then, to the point about injuries, it says right here and report any adverse medical effects by our pilots that came into close proximity with these UAPs. Well, if they're asking for that, that means that that happened. Um, I want to say on top of that, I spoke to a couple of people here recently. I'm not going to give their names out right now. Um, yep. A couple of them may be on my channel here uh, next year. Once I get mine up and going, I've actually spoken to a couple of contactees who um, have reported, this why I said this earlier, later on developing arthritis. And similar to the, the whole thing with, um, uh, God, I forgot his name already, um, the guy from Fire in the Sky. Oh, Travis um, Walton. Yeah, um, similar to being like in the proximity of a craft. Uh, uh, two separate people I've spoken to here recently. Um, one of them actually pretty well known. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that I actually got in contact with them they spoke about having uh, arthritis develop later on. And I guess from whoever they've been in contact with has been stating that it's not so much like it was intentionally done to them. It's more the effects of the craft itself pretty much. And, you know, like I'm saying, there may be some, you know, some negative ones out there, you know, that may, I hope, you know, there's not ones out there just preying on people, you know, that's pretty horrifying. Maybe there is, but, um, I, I'd, um, you know, that that's just what, like, my takeaway from it was, you know, it, it might be a little bit more of the actual craft itself that's actually causing adverse effects on people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, um, sorry, there was, um, there was something else that you were just saying a minute ago that I was wanting to get onto. My head just got a little scrambled there. Um, was it about the materials? That are being oh, yes. It, it, yes. It, it, that, that's exactly what it was. The, the materials, I wonder, state this earlier. Um, Actually, you know, never mind. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I need to get permission from this person for okay. a second. Uh, I, I totally apologize about that. I, no, that I means know, that's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. So yeah, I don't, we'll I save that, that for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to get in any trouble. Yeah. Oh no, no, no problem at all. Um, yeah. Okay. So you go through this report. Now you you kind of have this almost like a weight off your shoulders again about this. Now you can feel a little bit more at ease and you're not going crazy. The government is 
awesome. They let us know that everything's okay, that these things are real, but then we're kind of pissed at them because you've been telling us for 70 years that this stuff is, is all, and you've had the media in your back pocket, making fun of people and all this stuff. But yet here we are. And now we got offices being set up in Washington, DC. They're fighting about who's going to be in control and what they can, you know, release to us now. And uh, that's actually going to be what our news story is about in this episode um, from the LA times. But what, what is going on now? What, 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 where are you at after this report and you start going through these rabbit holes? What opens up to you? And what are you experiencing at that point? Okay. Um, so I want to say, first off, synchronicities overdrive for like the past year. And um, I got into, um, you know, I, you know, I have a, I grew up next to blood cells. I looked in their story. I want to say this originally, and Chris already knows this, but um, I'm going to go ahead and apologize again. When I first heard about the ongoing experiences after the initial experience with Chris, I started hearing about some of his more paranormal stuff. And I was thinking, okay, you know, this is too crazy. You know, like it's too out there. I kind of dismissed it at first. Then I started learning a little bit more things about like uh, Skinwalker Ranch and some more bizarre things. And I'm like, well, you know, like, you know, if they've got like actual, you know, government officials or, you know, uh, Department of Defense, whatever it was out there at Skinwalker, you know, they're taking this seriously, too. So I figured I should look into it. I started digging more into it. And, you know, I actually had a couple of experiences where I saw an orbs literally pop out of, you know, thin air. And um, in one case, one materialized and dematerialized, you know, within a few seconds from each other. And, you know, that was just more of a shock to my system. And um, uh, I'm not going to say this person's name, but I met a person who um, really convinced me that remote viewing was completely real. And I started learning about things that the government has done in the past with remote viewers and stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm going from, okay, everything like hit all at once this year. It's like UFOs are real. And then, you know, more paranormal things might be real. And then, you know, metaphysical, psychic type stuff, psychic type stuff, sorry. You know, everything, it was like an overload of information, but um, I started digging into it and that's whenever I really kind of started doubting myself, to be honest, you know, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I started thinking a little bit like I might be going crazy. I'm not going to lie. Um, that's when Chris actually invited me over to his property and I went over there and had an experience where there's a life changing experience. I actually saw over, um, I lost count over 15 orbs and I got a lot of them on video. And, um, you know, just blew my mind, you know, and I had a witness, you know, two witnesses with me, you know, we're seeing these things and Chris actually was able to sense them. You know, he told me, you know, I spoke to him for about five hours before this all happened. He said, you know, a lot of times people come over there and they won't experience anything. And, you know, how one bad apple can, you know, uh, spoil a bunch. And that further reinforced my, you know, my beliefs that it has something to do with our frequencies, you know, um, just because of the fact, you know, everything has a frequency. I'm sure, you, I think it was um, Nikola Tesla, everything's energy, vibration, and frequencies. And um, that kind of goes back to my near-death experience as well. I got into all of that after my, or because of my near-death experience. So things started clicking a little bit. And um, it was like about 10 minutes before it got dark, you know, Chris looked at me and he said, we're going to see something tonight, Josh. And 
sure enough, you know, within 10 minutes, we see these orbs start popping up. And it was just a, you know, a shock to my system. You know, I'm like, how did he know, you know, know for a fact that we were going to see them? Because it seems to me like every night that I've went out and intentionally tried to see something, I've never seen anything. It's always random, unexpected. And um, I do want to say I've seen one craft. I've mainly seen orbs, but I actually did see one craft. I don't know if I've already mentioned that to you. But um, just like the orbs, it's always unexpected. But with Chris that night, you know, it's like he could sense it. And um, I don't know if maybe it's because he's had close encounter, you know, like, you, you know, um, what is four hours of missing time. Maybe that gives him the ability to sense it somehow with that frequency thing. But um, what I'm getting at, sorry, I know I beat around the bush here a lot with this. I feel like personally consciousness has a major factor to do with all of this, whether you're talking about UFO, paranormal, you know, just, just everything. I just feel like just anything that has to do with phenomena, you know, related activity, I feel like consciousness hasn't, you know, a, a major role to play in all of this. That's just, that's my personal beliefs. You know, um, I could be wrong. You know, um, I never try to say that I'm hundred percent right on anything. Like I told you on the break, every time I feel like I'm right about something, I realize there's so much more I don't understand. But that's kind of where I'm at right now with things, you know. You know, um, and it, it yeah, makes me it makes me think like um, if if his abduction experience did now allow him to tap into that and his, uh, you know, his consciousness, and that's how things are created, then. Wouldn't it just be him because it's his consciousness? Why is that affecting you? Or, or when you're talking about now remote viewing and this kind of stuff, are, we're going back into the woo, but are we connecting? So if I can see something, like I saw that triangle craft and I'm seeing it is Michelle picking up on it. So now she's seeing the same thing that I am because for whatever reason I'm tied into it or vice versa. Maybe she saw it. Right. And I'm picking up on it because we're so close, you know, we're husband and wife. We're very, you know, close. We're basically almost the same person at this point with two heads. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of silly. We finish each other's thoughts you know we talk about what do you want for dinner get out of my head you know all the time these things are happening so the consciousness you know it seems like there's some type of communication now throw in remote viewing throw in chris bledsoe having these things and then you show up there and boom you're you're seeing things and now you're seeing a craft by the way what kind of craft Oh, well, I, I was debating on whether I was even going to mention that because we were talking about woo earlier. It's, it, I can't say it without being honest. It's going to sound really bizarre, but I'm just going to tell you exactly what I saw. And I want to say this was early on this year after I, I'd seen two orbs this year. I saw what looked like a, a crescent-shaped moon craft, almost identical to what um, I, uh, what is his name, the very first person and I never heard of this guy at the time. The very first person who ever reported a UFO. Oh, um, um, the pilot, Kenneth Arnold. Yes. Yes. Do you remember those yeah. crescent shaped looking? Yep. That's that how he saw? described them. And then the, he does, he, if I remember right, when I was reading about it, he, he said they were a crescent shape. He drew them out and he said they, they skipped across the water. And then the media ended yeah. up reporting them as a saucer. 
and it, he said it was never yeah. saucers they were crescent shaped like a flying wing yeah yeah and that that kind of reinforces my belief on the whole consciousness also having and and the reason i believe that is because entanglement like what you were saying if, if you're familiar with with quantum entanglement like what you were talking about with your wife yeah and also going back to you know money or death experience i wouldn't even know about any of this stuff if it wasn't for me you know digging into the whole mind over matter stuff to deal with my physical pain but you know for whatever reason that got me into that and i've just been you know fascinated with all that consciousness stuff you know for almost a decade before i opened up to any of this other stuff you know being real um so um uh yeah i want to describe this real quick it's going to sound a little out there but I, i'd seen two orbs this year two ones i knew for a fact were orbs you know uh both of them were under the cloud uh exactly exactly a week apart almost to the the time i mean uh, I was getting ready for work. I mentioned earlier the one flashing under the cloud um, and where I saw the light hit the, the bottom of the cloud. It was a week later at almost exactly five o'clock in the morning before I was going to work. From Instead of the left of my shoulder, this one shot over right of my shoulder shoulder, and um, flashed just like the first one did. And I mean, this one was at 4.58. I looked at my phone and everything. So um, a couple weeks after this, I stumbled across the whole CE5 thing, and um, I was a little curious about it. I actually met a few people. We tried to do a CE5, you know, thing. They did like a little meditation circle. I was really skeptical to it because I was so early into this. But I remember mentioning to one of the people that I was there with that I've seen a couple orbs. I'm ready to see my first craft. So we didn't see anything that night. You know, we're here at the beach. Nothing happened. I go home that night. I go out on my back balcony. And like I said, I never heard of uh, Kenneth Arnold. I see what looks like that same crescent shaped craft with the, the point in the middle, you know, pointing towards the um, the inside of it. Yep. Absolutely. And the, the bizarre thing about this, it looked like it was on its side, almost like literally like a crescent moon in the sky, but um, or not in the sky. This thing literally looked like it was above the apartment complexes over here. Uh, I mean, I would say maybe a few miles away from me. But it did not look like it was up, you know, way up in the sky at all. And it looked transparent, like with a foggy surface, but that same shape, it was identical. I mean, it was just a perfect crescent shape, you know, with the point to the inside, you know. And it just it just like with the orbs, it's like it was as soon as I walked out on the balcony within a couple minutes, it just I looked up and you know, it was just floating, just gliding at a steady pace. And it shocked me so much that I dropped my, I almost dropped my phone off the balcony because I tried to stand up. And, you know, if people believe this, they believe it. If they don't, they don't, you know. But um, I, I really, I almost dropped my phone off the balcony. My hands were trembling. My heart was pounding out my chest. And for a couple of seconds, it glided and it just, you know, it faded out. And I remember, um, you know, even though I've seen a couple of these orbs at the time, I've had weird synchronicity, a lot of weird stuff, you know, happen. The first thing I did was try to rationalize it. So I looked at the trees next to me to see if the wind was blowing because I remember this thing was gliding at a good pace and the leaves on the trees were dead still. There was no wind. There was no clouds in the sky. There was no fog anywhere. So it's just like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, how do I explain this? It almost reminded me of um, the Predator movies, to be honest. You know how you see Predator like cloaked and it kind of has a foggy surface. It was just like that, you know. And um, just like the outside of that damn triangle michelle and i saw i got a pretty good look oh, at really? it. i got a pretty good look at the the 
I just call it a skin. I, that's all I could really tell. It was wavering like, like a heat, like, you know, the heat coming off of a concrete in the desert. It was like that wow. heat wavery, you know, the, the, the light was being kind of distorted, but it was being because dis- the light was reflecting off the, it was so low, the light that was re- reflecting off of the street up into the air was hitting the bottom of it. And it looked like it looked like metal being heated up. Like if you take a piece of metal and you take a blowtorch to it and it'll change those colors, but it's wavery. Right. And then above it, because the heat is distorting the, the light waves coming to your eye, it's, it's bending the light. Well, that's what this thing looked like and the light was being absorbed, but it was enough that I could see the outside of the skin. And yes, it looked like I couldn't see like the sky through this thing. It was black, but yet it was a weird shimmering translucent, you it's know, like and, or mist, misty kind of surface. Yeah. Little bit, like yes. It, it, wow. Except it looked like it was absorbing this light so that it, it wouldn't be seen. And, you know, it was only a couple seconds because I was in, I was in, we can't fight this thing. It's not doing anything, but it's terrifying. So I'm flying my, my car up onto the expressway and, you know, doing the merge thing and trying to get out of there. When the thing then goes ahead and turns, you know, it rotates and starts paralleling along the expressway. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) This is not good. And Michelle's like, when did our military get something like this? Where, where is it? I can't see it now. And then we pop out of a, a sound abatement where there's no trees because we go, we went kind of down a little bit, the elevation of the road changed and there's these walls put up because there's houses on the sides of the expressway. So they want to, you know, the minimize the noise And I'm like, we're going to come out of this abatement, uh, you know, a quarter of a mile later and there's no trees to the right. We're going to see this thing right there and we get there and it's gone. Wow. Just, just gone. So that's incredible. It was, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. And we were like, okay, we got to see if anybody else found, you know, saw this kind of thing, man is just, it's just nuts. Yeah, that's wild. Um, but yeah, same effect I, you're talking about there. Yep. Yeah, I got chills just you telling me that. And um, I so one thing that really I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around. The very next day after this, I was in, you know, I was so stunned. I drew a picture of it and everything, and the the picture looked horrible because my hands were literally shaking when I drew it. I drew it immediately afterwards. I um I called up my my MUFON investigator because I'd already investigated you know the I mean reported the first few orbs I'd seen and you know I reported this craft and I'm talking to Chris the next day and I told him you know what happened and the first thing Chris told me was that I asked to see a craft so I saw one and you know I could not wrap my head around it I'm like what do you mean like the like that I kind of started getting a little freaked out you know it says before I went to go visit him when I was still, you know, on the fence about whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. And he told me that he felt like this is something that has maybe been with me my whole life. And um, I mean, for a lot, you know, it might be with everybody, you know, maybe like you said, you know, we just, we had to tap into that awareness to see it. But um, 
and I'm bouncing around with the time periods here and there, but um, I want to tell you that I recently found out, um, well, for one, that it seems like a good majority of people who have these experiences have had some kind of trauma or near-death experience, which, you know, I've, I've definitely had, but also that it runs in the bloodline. And um, it wasn't until just about a month ago I started opening up to a uh, very few select members of my family. And I want to say like right now, what I've, what I've been doing for the past couple of months, like speaking online, hardly anybody in my family or personal friends, they hardly any of them know what I'm doing. And um, there's a couple of them I have opened up to one of them found out on accident, but I found out I have a very close relative who has been having experiences of their own. And it's a, a very young family member that I have only about 15 or 16 years old and found out that um. Uh, for about the past 10 years, since they were like five or six years old, they've been speaking of seeing things, not so much as like UFO, you know, things in the skies, but more uh, apparition, if I'm saying that word right, I can never mm -hmm. say it right. But, you know, more like, um, you know, like a, a spiritual, you know, spirits like a, or ghosts. Yeah, yes, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around this, but it's also why I've been coming to the conclusion that, you know, all this stuff is connected somehow. But um, one thing that really like struck me when this person told me that is they said that when she sees this, it's like for a blink of an eye, like a, a frame of a second, it's like they see a person there that doesn't really look like it's there, but it's kind of like half in this reality and half not. And, and that really kind of hit me because, you know, I've had a you know a few experiences like that, you know, um, it just, you know, it just throws me off guard. And it was right before this, I was told, you know, about this running in the bloodline. And um, uh, I, I really want to ask you, actually, I know I turned this around on you a little bit, but what yeah, do you yeah. think about that as far as it like, um, you know, do you think this is just certain people? Or do you think everybody has the ability to have these experiences? What do you think? Ooh, um, I think some people probably naturally have this, especially younger children that are not, uh, so much programmed by, you know, the, the material world around us, they, they, you know, they're, they're very open-minded and I've heard other people say that. So maybe that's where I'm getting this from, but I think like adults, I think that there are probably two types. I think you have the intuitive people that are, are natural empaths. And then they can have these, the, the senses of, there there is this veil there's this other world that they're able to tap into or see and then i think there's just normal people that want to go about their business but then they suffer some type of a trauma that whether it's an accident or the death of a loved one they were very close to or uh some type of really bad personal trauma that might happen abuse or something like that from a parent or whatever that will then trigger that awareness. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I think that that commonality between all of these things, Bigfoot, Skinwalker Ranch, portals, it, it just makes me think that it, it has to do with a consciousness awareness type of threshold that gets crossed somehow that allows the brain to open up to these 
different states of consciousness, these different realms. And, you know, and I wonder if that's where now, like the, the whole DMT experiences and now that Harvard and, and I believe it's Yale as well are, are putting people through these experiments of taking DMT that don't know each other, that don't know anything about, uh, these, um, experiences that people have, and they're all reporting the same type of entities in, in these trips that they're going on and the same types of shapes and colors and very strange stuff. So I think we're very close to figuring something out with human consciousness and awareness and maybe the, the whole idea of the multiverse kind of things. Cause if you, if you really think about it and I had experience with this in the military, if you really think about it, what we take into our brains is limited by our five senses, right? Oh, exactly. I was just taste, about to say that. Yeah. Taste, touch. Yeah. yeah. And light coming into our eyes is only a small fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum so much so that the military and I have experience with two of these different types of scopes. You have infrared scopes, which allow you to see in the dark. And then you have starlight scopes, which allow that, that amplify the ambient light around you so that you can see in the dark. And then there's thermal vision, which we used to use to, to track tanks that would pop smoke to try to hide behind, you know, cloud cover and smoke cover. And we could just flip the switch and we could see their engine glowing in the, in the smoke and hit them with a missile, you know, it's so those other realms of visibility, you know, they're invisible to our naked eye, but they're there because we can use technology to tap into them. So and I, was, I'm, I was actually going to say the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah and I'm colorblind, what? right? Oh, so really? when oh. I, when I was in the military, so things look different to me because I don't see color. I only see a couple colors. So people wearing camouflage and things like that, I, I don't see shades at all. So I can still see the outline of you, you know, other people can't Uh-oh. see you, but I can see you. I know where the sniper is. I know, you know, I can see the outline, unless you are completely blended in, I can pretty much spot, you know, what's going on. And, you know, so again, it's, it's the awareness, it's our eyes. Maybe maybe there's a certain type of glasses that you're wearing that might change your vision. I know that the eye doctor put on these special glasses for me, these, these lenses and, you know, to be able to see color, but then everything looked red but I could see different Mm -hmm. contrast, right? It changes somehow changes the contrast, but you know, I don't know what light pink is. I don't know what purple is. It's blue to me. I don't, you know, red, Brown, what the heck's Brown? Everything's red in Mm -hmm. that spectrum, right? It's black, white, red, blue. And you know, something that people call green, I confuse it with white a lot of the times. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's weird. So well, that's yeah. well, I didn't know that you were colorblind. That's crazy. Yeah. I was actually I was gonna bring that up actually. Um I mean uh, the fact that like we have 
radio waves or you know wi-fi you know bouncing around it like what is oh it? yeah now we got that stuff. you know b- bouncing around everywhere there's energy flying around us all everywhere in these spectrums like that we can't see i was just watching um because i love like nature documentaries stuff i can't remember um it's driving me crazy right now there's a type of, of shrimp that can it punches you know like it's claw and it they said it like heats up you know uh, god i can't not remember what it's called but it sounds like the strongest punch of any type of animal it's um uh, I can't remember what it's called, but like, anyways, this um, this type of shrimp or whatever. Um, they said it could see like uh, over a dozen or so, maybe more spectrums of light than a human can see. And I remember hearing that, thinking like, what does that even mean? You know, like you're right. You mean like there's, a, and then like you saying that, you know, with you being colorblind, I can't even imagine how you know that would seem to not know what a color is. So for another animal that's here on this physical plane, you know, to be able to see other spectrums <laughs> right. of light, you know, yeah. like what are they seeing that we're not seeing? And I've heard other things about, you know, animals being able to sense certain vibrations and things. And um, I meant to get on this earlier real quick. Um, whenever you mentioned the metamaterial, um, Lou Alizano has openly admitted that he retrieved metamaterial from Chris Bledsoe's yard. And it's, yes, uh, it's I very, believe that's correct. Yeah. 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 I, I heard him. Um, it was actually on a, that that UFO podcast, I believe. Um, yeah, that that is what it was. Um, and Chris actually showed me a picture of um, this metamaterial. It looked very bizarre. It looked like the drippings that solidified into this metal. And um, the weird thing was, they said, you know, it's it's organic. And um, mm-hmm. I, I never understood like um, how to how, how to you know interpret that. The only way I could think of it is, you know, like, are the, the the entities, you know, flying these craft or is it some kind of combination of like, you know, Tesla, you know, Nikola Tesla, you know, vibration, you know, uh, uh, frequency vibration. And um, and sorry, my head just got scrambled. But um, what I was getting to with this is um, Chris, uh, Chris Jr. and Chris Sr. both told me personally that and uh, uh, Ryan Bledsoe actually mentioned this on his podcast that. They did something whenever they retrieved this meta material where whenever they picked it up, and I do believe it was Lou Elizondo who did this with them. They, in a blind experiment, they put the meta material in their hand and each of them separately without having no knowledge of you know them doing it, they felt like a vibration go through their body in a way. Like um, it's really bizarre sounding. And Chris Bledsoe Sr. told me that it felt like an electricity set felt like, you know, just, you know, electric is what he said. And apparently it was Chris senior who felt it the most. And he um, told me that it was so strong. It made his forearms, you know, tense up like, you know, his muscles actually tensed up. And whenever, you know, they asked, you know, why this happened, they said the only theory that they could come up with is that it may be because Chris senior actually had face-to-face encounter with, an entity or you know whatever these things are you know or you know just being in some kind of proximity of the phenomenon you know whatever it is i try not to put labels on things because i don't know exactly what this stuff is well, you know, he I was just, gone I, for four hours right yeah yeah exactly I yeah mean, he was that, gone four hours yeah yeah he could have uh you know kind of like here in michigan when it starts to get cold you know we'll, we'll get people outside with winter coats on but they wear shorts and we say hey pure michigan but in reality, what's going on is, you know, it's negative 30 out and people are wearing shorts with boots and winter coats. Uh, but 
but really they're climatizing. They're becoming accustomed to the, the weather, you know, and and it doesn't affect them. So I wonder if that four hours that he spent, you know, was able to uh, acclimate his body to the materials that were around him, you know, and that's interesting to say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like uh, we have sensory adaptation as mammals. You know, you can go into like my kids go into my classroom all the time and I've got fluorescent lights going and none of them ever hear the buzz of the lights, you know, but those lights are buzzing, but they're so they're so used to it that they've just adapted to it. But I'm going to have to remember because I'm trying to get Lou on on the podcast and I'm gonna have to remember and ask him about, you know, the, him going, cause I know Chris Bledsoe is very famous with his, his encounter. I mean, it's a very important story to be out there. And oh, yeah. uh, I can send you a link. I, I can send you the actual link to the video where Lou admitted. That's the only reason I even said it openly. Awesome. Because I, heard yeah. him I think I've, I think I've seen up. that as well, but yeah, definitely send me that link. All right. Well, you know what, Josh, man, we've had just a crazy, just awesome conversation and we've been at this. Oh man. When did we start? Seven? We're almost going on three hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did not realize it's been so, long. <laughs> yeah. So you want to talk about a time warp and missing time? I mean, this has been flying by. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah. let, let's start thinking about wrapping this up and like, uh, what kind of story and what kind of other little synchronicities you want to drop on the listening audience here? And before <laughs> um, we I go, because you told me about one that was just hilarious, but not so much. <laughs> oh, uh, was it the the shadow people or the, the no the the guy the... that walked up to you? Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's gonna sound bonkers, like I said, but um, and like I said, I'm not um stating for a fact that i know this guy is what he claimed to be but oh god it's gonna sound so crazy i'm gonna go and just say it exactly how it happened so the um i mentioned earlier and just another it's a synchronicity on top of synchronicity you know um when i saw the orb that flashed and hit the bottom of the cloud the very next day i um, I had to go down to to downtown wilmington i had a a core date for like a minor traffic ticket and afterwards i decided to walk down to the cape Fear river of all places here in wilmington an hour and a half away from fayetteville same river you know hour and a half away and i just went down there just to i don't even know why i walked down there to be honest i just i walked down there and a random stranger out of nowhere just walks up to me he's a very unique looking individual i'll say that he's a um he, he had like a, a what do you call it, fedora, one of his hats, you know, um, I think that's how you say it. He had a yeah. cane. He, I don't know why he had a cane. He didn't look like he needed it. He didn't have a limp or anything like that. But um, uh, he's, he's just like, uh, he's a light-skinned guy. He was very um, animated. He just walks up to me, and first thing he says is, is, hey, I know you. He says, you're me, and I'm you. And I'm like, what? And the first thing that goes through my head is like, okay, like this guy might just be kind of crazy, you know? But then um, he goes, no, seriously, he says, you're me and I'm you. And I just kind of start playing along with this. And I just spoke about this on a podcast recently for the first time. And um, I go, oh, what do you mean? Like, you know, um, 
you know, like we're all connected, you know, like, and he goes, yeah, exactly. But said, like, seriously, I'm you and you're me. And he says, I know, like I'm an Anunnaki. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it just it, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like shocked. I'm like, wait, what, what did you say? And he's like, seriously, I'm, a, I'm an Anunnaki. And I, I, I'm just like, immediately, I, I just, I did not know what to think. And the weird thing is I was researching the Dead Sea Scrolls like recently before this. And I got like on the Enoch and stuff and I just started like bouncing around and I just recently discovered like the Anunnaki and I immediately asked my, why would you say that? And I, I, it's going to sound funny, but I asked him, I said, did you know that I just reported to MUFON? And he just laughed and he goes, no, why would you say that? And I said, cause I just reported to MUFON for the first time. And he just laughs and he goes, no, I just picked up a vibe from you. And like I said, I, I swear to God, I'm not making up any of this. This guy could have been crazy. I have no idea. I kind of, I don't even know what to think about it, but it, everything about this story is just going to sound totally bonkers and out there. I'm just going to let you know ahead of time. So he starts telling me, you know, crazy stuff. And I realized really quick that this guy was extremely intelligent. Like, I mean, super smart. Um, you know, we got on the subject of quantum physics for a couple of minutes. And that's what I'm thinking. You know, if this guy's, you know, you know, crazy homeless guy, he's, you know, super intelligent. Well, um, I ended up asking him at one point, well, actually, I'm sorry. I need to jump back before I say this. He um, says something about um, how they've been here and they operate on a different wavelength of time trying to fix some of our mistakes because, and, and I quote, he said, whenever we give you gifts, you keep effing things up. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. And whenever he said, and I, like I, I busted out laughing, but yep. when he said it, yep. he said, you keep getting your gifts and you keep effing things up and when he said that he spun his cane around really animated and i mean like just like spun his cane. i mean it was like a cartoon character like i i was just total shocked you know you can't make this stuff up <laughs> okay um so he spun we his seem cane to say that a lot around here anymore you um, just can't make this stuff up <laughs> yeah so he said um he said he said you keep effing things up and he takes his cane and he points it up at the sun and he he goes, look at that. He goes, look at how beautiful that is. And then this is whenever things got like super weird. I mean, it's already weird enough, you know. He points his cane at the sun, says, look at how beautiful that is. Then he turns around completely backwards and points his cane. And right when he points his cane, like almost directly at me, a dragonfly happened a lot, land almost immediately on the tip of his cane. And as soon as it did, it started, it landed for like half a second and it started flying off. And he was following the dragonfly. With his cane, like I said, you, you can't make this stuff up. I would have made up a better story if I was. So he's falling, <laughs> dragonfly, and he goes, "That's a sign right there." And I'm just in total shock, you know, thinking of what is going on right now. And um, he he said something, some other things. I can't remember every little word that he said, but um, told me you know the whole thing about them operating outside of time or something go backward and forward in time and I, I asked him at one point i said man why should i even believe you you know how do i know you're not crazy so this guy is <laughs> you're gonna think it's so crazy he pulls out his cell phone out of nowhere and he hands me the cell phone and tells me to look at the time and i grab his phone and i'm just you know i'm you know in my head i'm just thinking you know, like what in the world you know this this crazy I look at his phone and he tells me, he's like, no, memorize that time. And it was, um, it was either 1055 or 1155 was, to this day. I can't remember exactly what time it was, but I know it was one or the other. 
And then he said, you know, remember that time? And he told me to restart his phone. And I'm just like, you know, like, are you serious? And he goes, no, just seriously, hold, restart my phone. And I held his button down. I restart his phone. And when I cut it back on, man, this, I can't believe I'm even sharing this. I, <laughs> I cut the phone back on. I cut the phone back on. And I swore on my mother's life, like, the phone went back five minutes somehow. It was 10.50 or 11.50, one or the other. Whatever one, it went back five minutes. And I immediately pulled my phone out of my pocket and my phone had the exact same time. And I looked at him and I'm like, how, you know, how the F did you do that? And he just gives me like a smile and he says, you just got to have faith. And I'm just like, what in the world? And then I, I handed this guy what? back his phone. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Look, so I, I handed him back his phone and the, it's going to get weirder. I mean, I know it's already gotten way weird, way woo woo. woo. <laughs> like I said, maybe this guy was just crazy. If he was, he was tapping into something. I don't know how to explain it. But I handed back his phone. And um, if you can see right here in the camera, yep. I have an infinity symbol on my tattoo, right? I mean, on my yep. arm. So uh, people that, that won't see the video, just so people know that, yeah, Josh is his uh, right forearm has a tattoo of an infinity symbol and it looks like it's traced out a couple times, right? You got it like two or three yeah, times on top of it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I hand him back his cell phone and this part right here made me feel extremely uncomfortable at the moment. I'll be honest about this. When I handed him his phone, he grabbed his phone and he goes, Hey, what's that tattoo on your arm? And I just, you know, like I roll my arm over. I go, it's an infinity symbol. And he's still holding his phone in his hand after I just handed it back to him. Snaps a picture of the tattoo on my arm. And I go, hold on. I said, what the hell is that for, man? And, like, I mean, I almost got aggressive. I was like, what in the world? You right. know, because in my mind, I remember getting paranoid, thinking, like, okay, I just had a court date today, you know, for a traffic ticket. I just reported the move on. I've been having a weird orb. So, you know, I'm just, you know, my mind's going everywhere. I'm thinking, you know, like, somebody following me. Like, what in the world is this? And um, he goes, no, it's just something to remember you by. But he also said, it, he said, I wanted to make sure it sticks with you. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, right after he says this, and I'm still just, you know, like kind of just, you know, stunned, to be honest. A siren goes off in the background for an ambulance. And he just turns straight around and he goes, that's my sign. I need to leave. And just turns around and walks off. And I, I just, I'm, it happens. I mean, it all happened in like less than two, three minutes. And I, I literally sat there. I was, I was standing there, you know, for like maybe, you know, 15 or 20 seconds, just in silence. And I literally remember saying out loud to myself, what the F just happened? Like, I'm trying not to cuss on your channel. <laughs> um, so look, I need That's to add a, this. That is a WTF so, moment. Yeah. yeah okay, okay. So there's one or weirder thing that, or I mean, it, God, this is the part I just I, to this day I do not know how to explain. Like when this happened, I was thinking, you know, this guy he, he couldn't have been an Anunnaki. You know, this is just weird. But then I'm thinking, you know, why did he approach me randomly? Why at the Cape Fear River of all places where I had my first sighting an hour and a half away from you know, but the same river. Okay, so the next day I get back in touch with Chris Bledsoe Jr. For like the first time in like a couple of years, I'd been speaking to his dad a couple of times, you know, um, before this, I told him about, you know, the orb sightings I had 
but I couldn't get a hold of Chris Bledsoe Jr. originally because he's not on like social media or anything. And I, I'm speaking to him for the first time and I tell him about this weird thing because it just happened. And Chris just stops me and he goes, Josh, he's like, where did you get that tattoo again? And I tell him, I'm like, you know, uh, downtown Wilmington. And I said, I know it sounds crazy. And he goes, no, man, I need to check your phone. I'm about to send you a picture because it's about to get crazier. So he sends me a picture. He has <clears throat> Chris Jr. on his upper arm has a tattoo of, uh, if you ever heard of Aurora Boris, the oh, yeah. snake that's eating itself, yeah. it's that. It's in the shape of an infinity symbol. Like uh, this shocked Twisted. me so much. Yes, um, it, it shocked me so much. It was the uh, infinity symbol, but the snake eating itself, the Aurora right. Boris. Yep. This is that thing Chris Jr. didn't notice. Nobody on this planet knows this. I got this tattoo on my honeymoon with my ex-wife. I'm divorced now. I was planning on changing this into the Aurora Boris, but keeping it an infinity symbol tattoo. And I tell Chris that, and he just starts busting out laughing. He goes, no way. He says, Josh, he goes, I swear to God, I'm not lying to you. He said, I got this tattoo in downtown Wilmington, not even a half a mile from where I met this Anunnaki guy. Like, I don't even like I say, you can't make this stuff up, man. Like, oh, Josh, is, it was just a coincidence. Come on. It, yeah. it, it, I, right? I can't even write, I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. I really don't. <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's so bizarre and it's so many layers and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, maybe he was crazy. You know, maybe he's a psychic. I have no idea what to think about it. You know, it's just, it, it blew my mind. He he said he wanted it to stick. It stuck with me. I'll say that for sure. Like to this day, and right? That just happened this past uh, June, uh, May or June. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah was like it said, before or after the monster. UFO report? It was not even not even a month after I reported to move on. It was um, no, no the the government June report. <clears throat> oh no, um, that was um, oh no, the um. I originally no, it was right right before the June report. Actually, okay. I think it's that same. It was in June, yeah, yeah, June or late late May. I I started seeing stuff on the news about the upcoming report earlier this year. I think around like uh, February or March, and it was later that year. Uh, it was late May or early June. I'm I can't remember exactly. That's whenever I met this weird stranger. But wow. I mean the the you know the synchronicities, man. I mean, like, what are the chances? And the other thing is, Chris Bledsoe Jr. has never lived in Wilmington. He came to Wilmington years ago and just happened to be here on a vacation and got that tattoo in downtown Wilmington. You know, not even a mile or two, or, or sorry, not even that, like a half a mile. Now I think about it, because I know exactly what tattoo shop he's talking about from where I'm at. You know, where I meet this guy. And um, I, I spoke to somebody else about this, um, Barbara Jean Lindsay, actually. I did an interview on her channel, and I told her about this privately. And when I'm first telling her, because apparently she has experience with people who claim to be Anunnaki, when I told her about the guy, you know, uh, getting to the point where he took the picture of my tattoo, she uh, just immediately she stopped. She goes, wait a minute, what? He took a picture. And I said, yeah. I said, that, that's, that was really strange because I even asked him, I forgot to mention earlier, I asked him right afterwards, I said, if you claim to be Anunnaki, why would you even need to take a picture of my tattoo? That's whenever he said, I need to make sure it sticks. And then I told Barbara about Chris having the same tattoo of, of what I was planning, not even the same tattoo of what I was 
you know, the, the snake, the roar of wars, you know, right. I know this sounds, I know it sounds bonkers, it, you know, yeah. it's, like I said, it's, it's bizarre. It's weird. I'm not claiming it. I know this guy's a Anunnaki or whatever, but it's still <laughs> weird so much and strange, weird. Man. Yeah. I don't know how to wrap my head around it. to this day. It just, it blows my mind. Um, yeah, I got a little excited talking about that. It's just, it's weird. Well, <laughs> it's it's one it. of those things. It's like, man, it's it. It's like when you tempt the universe and you go, "What else could happen today?" You know, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs> uh, you don't want an answer to that, honestly. But uh, man, yeah, that okay. That's that's a great story to to end with, right yeah. there. We should get yeah, this I gotta wrapped say, up. Um, yes. Other than Chris Bledsoe Jr., it took me months to even have the balls to tell anybody about this. It wasn't oh, until about a it. month ago I, I spoke about this, Danny, because I just thought it's so bizarre. Who's going to believe me? But I mean, it's you know, it's the truth. Whether he really was what he said to be, it, it happened. I'm that right. happened. I, you can give me a lot of tether test. That all happened, you know. And you know, it'll be interesting to see if anything else kind of, you know, uh, makes it off it. known. Right. Yeah. About about that symbol and and the Aurora Boris and you know that might be going somewhere still. You know, man. All right, Josh. Yeah. So this has been an awesome yeah. <laughs> I appreciate night. That. And you know, we're just really touching on the the surface of things, which is kind of lead me into a couple of my closing points here with you. Um, so yeah, I need to get on to a couple of the um yeah, there's a few other things I need to touch with you next time I speak with you. But um, yeah, so yeah, yeah definitely so. we gotta do this again. But before you go, I'm sure our audience would be very interested in hearing about what you have coming up and what you're uh working on. Maybe you can get into a little bit of details with that because if you guys are interested in Josh's stories and his experiences and what's going on and it, it sounds like he's really becoming a a magnet and, and very open to these things now after his whole life basically being a skeptic and just really opening up this year with everything that's going on. Uh it's fascinating. But Josh, what do you got coming up, which I think people are really going to enjoy? Yeah, um, I have a Facebook, or I'm sorry, my YouTube channel is called, uh, it's Trippy Times. Um, the Facebook page is Trippy Times group page. Um, I actually have a few guests uh, line up. A couple people you actually know are going to help me co-host a few of those. I don't want to give out definite names right now because, you know, Things might change here and there, but I will say I'm a little shocked right now that a couple of those people actually willing to come on with me. A few of those are um, people whose stories have never been heard, but I, you know, I want, like I said, I think all this stuff is connected. My whole thing about this and what's become so fascinating about this to me is the, the, the connections. I feel like it's bringing together all these people of different, you know, cultures, you know, just like we're all, you know, unique puzzle pieces um i like to say fractals you know that's that's just something i like to say you know we're a piece of the universe but um you know i feel like we're all searching for the same answer even though we all have different unique experiences we're all coming together trying to find us and i just i want to try to get as many voices heard as i can and i met so many incredible people this past year so yeah um, uh, trippy times uh right now it's trippy times josh casey just so you know some people know it's me but 
original just be trippy times on youtube and that's one word and on facebook is trippy times group page and um i've been on a few other podcasts that i have linked onto my channel too you know a paranormal chop shop ufo garage cosmic oracle a few others um but yeah it's um it's moving fast and um you know, like I said, um, my heart goes out of people who have had negative experiences. You know, I'm grateful that mine have mostly been positive, but I wanted to try to, you know, hopefully get as much positivity out this as I can and, you know, bring people together because it's been a roller coaster, but it's been, a, you know, it's been exciting for me, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I just want to add in, um, it has been a positive experience because I think you picked kind of the right time to kind of come out and start talking about this and sharing your experiences. Um, but you were, you were struggling with a lot there beforehand. And, and I, I think people can relate to that. If, you know, if they're paying attention to this and you look at the time from the near death experience to, you know, the, the first orb sighting and dealing with the, the man that lived right across the street from your mother. I mean, life was happening and you were dealing with a lot there before you could get to the point where you're at now. And I think that's important. People shouldn't rush these things and they should try to just take it easy for a while and and really think about the steps that they're taking. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you said that actually because you're you're exactly right. Um and um, you know, like I said, the past, you know, or really my whole life I've had random, you know, strange experiences and I felt like I just wasn't aware of seeing them. But especially following that car accident, I between that car accident and my very first sighting, I went through five years of extremely dark times that I'd I'd rather not get into detail, you know, but I will say, you know, it was it was I I I like to say that, you know, struggle is nature's way of strengthening. I don't think I made that up. I think I heard it somewhere, but it's something I've always, you know, it's like something I'd, I've told myself every time that I've gotten down. But um, like you said, man, um, it, I feel like it's it's built up to this. And right now, I just, I feel like in the point that I'm at, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm passionate about it. I don't care about the attention or anything or making money it's just about the connections i I love that you know and just and learning from one another you know i speak to one person like me and you speaking to each other we're both learning from one another you know or at least getting new ideas you know yep yep and and i believe uh you're gonna have me on your show here once you get it kicked off right oh yeah definitely yeah Yeah. hopefully you uh yeah you and your wife hopefully yeah michelle will be there of course (laughs) she's over here nodding her head right now She's not saying much because today was like the last, you know, day of school before break and she's whipped and, and I'm working on an extra cup of coffee. So that's, what's kept me going so far, (laughs) but yeah, man, uh, lots of great people out there, you know, UFO garage, Chad Smith, paranormal chop shop, uh, Gemma Jade, uh, Dave's, um, oh geez, Dave Scott from uh, spaced out radio, you know, and I was happy. I was ecstatic to have Chad, uh, you know, send me that invite to be a co-host with him and Sonny on paranormal chop shop. And here on the other side of the screen, and I took, a, I, I, I know it's out there forever on YouTube, but I had to take some screenshots of 
me in the frame with you are right underneath me. Sonny's above me. And then Chad's above him. And then over to the side is Jim Goodall and yeah. Michael Shrat. It's like, oh. No, that's the same one I was on you on with yeah. uh, you on there. Yeah. That's right. I forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, you popped I, on there and you were, you know, you got to ask some questions and stuff. And man, that was right. that was awesome. There's a couple of legends right there. I mean, yeah. Um, one thing uh a channel I forgot to mention, I need to get back in contact with them, but at one time I was abducted by aliens. Um, I'm supposed to be on there with them pretty soon. Oh, they there just you asked go. me here recently. Yeah, yes. those girls are hilarious, to be honest. They remind me of a female version of Ben and Joe from the UFO Garage. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Check them out. So, yeah. All right, people. So, if you enjoyed this conversation and you like Josh's story and you want to know more, you know, Google's your friend. Look up Trippy Times, Josh Casey, spelled C A S E Y. You know, go subscribe to his channel already so you'll be notified when he starts putting material out. And uh, we're definitely uh, happy to help him out in any way. Um, he's not a Michigander. I don't know. Do you got any ties up here to Michigan at all? I always have to ask if, you know, you got any family you come up here at all? Uh, no, I, I'm no, not that I know of. But okay. I'm super excited to be on your channel, though. Yeah, but man, this is great. So, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and end this because we've been at it three hours. So, and this is, this is how these things go and, and we'll definitely have you back on and we'll cover some more craziness. Cause I'm sure by the time we get you back, there will be a lot more to talk about, man. All right, man. Any last words before we go? Um, no, just that, um, I should be visiting the Bledsoe's here next week, hopefully. So might have a good experience to say from that. Um, awesome. Yeah. Definitely be getting back up with you. All right, Josh, we're going to go ahead and say good night, Michelle. You want to? No, have a anything? great night, Josh. All right, Josh. So thank you very much. And everybody will talk to you in a minute. Well, I would probably guess that after he talks to Chris Bledsoe, um, we're definitely going to have to get Josh back on. I want to talk more about the shadow people. Oh, absolutely. He's got all kinds of experiences now after that near death experience that he had in that accident. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine being able to lay there and think that you're dying, but you're just telling people around you, you know, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And, and his story is not the first that I've heard that, after people have these kind of accidents where they're in these near death experiences and in a coma that they are changed, whether it's because they've gone to the afterlife and came back or just in his case, uh, just opening up to different things. It's really the, the opening of the realms. Yeah. It, All the different realms. Oh man. It, it, what a fantastic interview. And Josh, we can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. And everybody, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to end it there. It was a lot to take in and listen to. Uh, that was a long interview. And like I said, we're just scratching the surface. So, Michelle, I think we should just go ahead and get out of here and, and get we'll, ready for another podcast. because yeah. It's coming soon. Guys, we'll be back after the holiday. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everyone. 
And remember, keep your eyes to the sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.